is The Monty Show, the truth in sports talk streaming. When you want unbiased opinions about your favorite team without the spin, all you have to do is find The Monty Show, streaming live and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on YouTube. And now, here's Monty. Hey, hey, happy Friday, The Monty Show, live on your YouTube machine. As always, presented by The Advocates, theadvocates.com, you guys. As usual, The Advocates are working to support our community in every community they serve. The Advocates are trying to raise money for those who do not have a home in this winter season. They're looking for donations for jackets, sweatshirts, socks, caps, you name it. If it helps keep somebody warm, like blankets, The Advocates are looking for donations And listen, if you're in Utah, go into any of their offices and drop off blankets, jackets, coats, hats, gloves. But if you want to donate, hit them on Venmo. Donate to the Advocates on Venmo. Advocates Donations. Advocates Donations. And I'm just so thrilled, so thankful. Um, And I know you guys are going to say, oh, well, Monty, they're they're paying you to say that. Truly, We've had a long-standing relationship with the Advocates since day one of this show. They have been on board supporting us. Um, And I'm just so thankful that they do things like this because this morning, and I don't know where you guys are this morning, uh, according to the old uh, rocket ship on the wrist, it is 30 degrees outside where we are. Uh, It is snowing this morning. Imagine not having a home. Imagine living under an underpasser in your car and you don't have a blanket, a jacket, a hat, socks, gloves. Let's see what we can do today. A dollar, a million dollars. What's in the couch cushions? Anything that you have, we always appreciate it. Advocates donations on Venmo. Advocates donations. And of course, uh, we are reminded uh, by Brandon Butler that today is free membership Friday. See, if you're not watching the show live, it's eight o'clock in the morning. So mm-hmm. it's Monty in the morning on this special Friday. Right which is to say a getaway Friday because we're going down to Copper Rock in St. George uh, to play some golf tomorrow. Uh, But Brandon Butler remembers free membership Friday from the Monty in the Morning Days, Jake. There you go. go. He gives one. Aaron Wilson gives a free membership. Let's go. Let's go. Love you guys supporting the show. Thank you so much. Um, If you are new here, welcome here. Please do hit the like button. It really helps the channel grow. As we tell you, there is new evidence that suggests ESPN and the college football playoff colluded to screw Florida State. (laughs) Do you guys buy this? There is new evidence in that Boo Corrigan, the chair of the college football playoff committee, he has a brother of the same seed. His name is Tim Corrigan. (laughs) Probably too much, but Tim Corrigan uh, works as an upper-level manager of programming at ESPN, and now all the Florida State sleuths, Sherlock Seminoles, uh, are convinced that Boo Corgan and his brother colluded to keep Florida State out of the college football playoff. Jake, are you a buyer on this new tin foil hat conspiracy? I, I am not a buyer. I mean, just because your your brother, you know, works at, at a at a company that you know has a relationship with your company, let's say, doesn't mean that they colluded to keep Florida State out. And and I think that again, the, the thing that we we can't get away from yet, you know, when it comes to evidence and like justifying this this accusation of collusion 
is why would they want to keep Florida State out? That That's the thing that I think nobody's really, truly been able to answer. I, I mean, it's not as though, you know, you you it's not as though Bama lost to Georgia and then you just threw them in the college football playoff in place of Florida State. I mean, Bama went and won a game, which pretty much auto-ticketed them into the college football playoff because, you know, it was Georgia, the number one team in the nation, the, the team that had won 29 games in a row, you know, just that little team in Athens. So, you know, I, I don't know how how Boo Corrigan having a brother at ESPN, uh, you know, justifies the claim that ESPN somehow worked with Boo Corrigan to keep FSU out. I'm still trying to understand what the motive would be for ESPN. And a lot of people are like, well, Bama draws more. Okay, that is true. That is true. But Bama versus who? Because if you had... Florida State versus Michigan or Florida State versus Texas or whatever matchup you want to look at, like you you would have been fine. It's not as though you'd only drawn a million people for that game. It's a college football playoff. Like people are going to watch this game whether they like it or not. And that's the thing I think people don't want to talk about. When it comes to championship weekend, I don't need to watch the ACC championship game when Florida State doesn't have their quarterback and Louisville is is trying to do the impossible and looks terrible doing it. Like, I, I don't, we don't need to, it's not really a game of consequence at that point for really anybody. And so that's why I say the championship weekend TV viewership is very much different than the college football playoff weekend viewership in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, and I, I think that the hard part here is is that Florida State fan, at some point, you're going to have to move on. And and I think that I don't believe this for a second. I don't believe that there's collusion. I don't believe that, that uh, you know, Boo Corrigan's brother working at ESPN is a thing where we now know that they cheated. And I, I just don't believe that ESPN, and, and I, I want you to ask yourself this question. If you're Boo Corrigan, do you really think you'd be able to hide cheating Florida State out of a spot in the college football playoff? Your brother works at ESPN as a high-level manager. You don't think people are going to explore that? Have you ever read, you know, Reddit? Have you ever been on Reddit? I mean, they explore far more than that, but <laughs> you're not going it, to it I just think this was the worst case scenario. And it was interesting, Dabo Sweeney, if you read the ticker on the bottom of the screen, Dabo Sweeney had some very pointed comments um, for for the, the whole situation saying that um, it's a flawed system. Here's the problem. I don't believe it's a flawed system. What exactly is flawed? I think it's never going to be good enough. I That's the part that I don't think that the college football fan wants to, to understand. If Florida State was in, do you think Texas or Alabama would be pissed today? Yeah, they would. Yes, they would. If Alabama was out and Florida State was in, which seems to be what the choice was, how are you going to tell Alabama, who's won 11 straight games, including a conference championship game, where they soundly beat Georgia for a good part of that game, hung on to win it at the end, they were clearly the better team in most people's opinions in that game, how are you going to tell them, yeah, you guys are out and Florida State without their best player, they're in instead of you? It's a flawed system in that it's not good enough for anybody. But what do you want to do? Take the human element out of it? The, the initial argument from Florida State was, well, there's too much conjecture. There's too much opinion. 
Well, that's what you wanted because you hated the BCS computer system. So now there's human, you know, interaction to determine the four teams for this year and then the 12 teams next year. And now that's not good enough because there's too much ambiguity and there's too many opinions. Well, what did you think was going to happen when you put a group of people around a table and said, eat pizza, drink soda, and fight with each other over the four best teams in the country are? Well, and I even think there's hypocrisy in that argument. Like Florida State saying, oh, well, there's too many opinions and it's it's subjective. And, and, and all I have to say to that is, okay, so you're saying you're not being subjective and you're not being opinionated when you say things like, well, we're an undefeated conference champion and the game's not all about the quarterback. We have an amazing defense. And, and it's a and, we fence, please. Yeah. And so to that end, I'm like, dude, like you're really going to sit here and try and sell us a, a, a package around how you could contend even uh, just compete in the game. Keep it, keep it interesting against uh, an SEC champion, Bama yeah. or Georgia aside, because that's the other thing. One way or the other, the SEC is getting in, whether it's Bama or Georgia. In my opinion, it really didn't have much to do with Alabama at that point. The only reason Alabama is in the middle of this thing is because they were the eighth-ranked uh, team in the nation, so they had to be the four seed because they were the lowest-ranked team. So you beat the number one seed. That gets you in, but we're not going to put you ahead of you know Washington, and we're certainly not putting you ahead of Texas, the team you lost but to. But look at the performances, and I, and I think this is a critical point as well. If you look at Championship Saturday, what was the least impressive performance? Easily Florida State and Louisville. Easily. Easily. I think the most impressive performance was probably Texas. I think Texas dominating Oak State. Controlling Ollie Gordon, the greatest running back ever, anybody's ever seen. You know, he, 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 uh, that was an impressive performance. But right next to that was Alabama beating Georgia. What was 29 straight games Georgia had won. And Alabama beat them. And I, I think, again, I'm with most people. Alabama was a better football team than Georgia. And because of that, and this is the part Florida State fan doesn't like, because of that, we can say it enables us. It allows us to say, hey, yeah, logically speaking, based on results on the field, based on your injury report, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Alabama is a better team than Florida State. Now, Michigan, I, I believe Alabama is better than Michigan. I do, based on the schedule, based on the fact that they just beat Georgia, who I definitely know is better than Michigan. But even I'm even open to the idea if Michigan fan wants to say, hey, we'd compete with Alabama. Okay, cool. That'd be a great game. Still think Bama would win. In which case, Bama's still better than Florida State. So I'm trying to find a way. I really, before we got on the show, was thinking about, okay, what would be the path to Florida State having a way to say, hey, we would be better than any of the teams in the playoff right now. Even Texas, like even Washington. But this goes back to what you said about Georgia and Bama. I think there's real resentment that no matter what, because of the results on the field, the SEC was going to have a spot in the college football playoff. To which I say Florida State fan wants it both ways. You, you, you're complaining that, oh, results don't matter, but then at the same time, your argument to get in is that you're 13-0 and an undefeated conference champion. So which is it? Yeah, I think that the SEC, and I've said it on the show all week, and I think it pisses people off, but that doesn't mean it's not true. The SEC is the best conference of college football. But I think that's the best point. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah. 
that I mean, that's why we're in this situation. And and I have no problem with guys like Dabo or anyone else sharing their opinion on it. I mean, a lot of uh, most of the people who I mean, hell, Travis Hunter of Colorado said he was surprised at a 13 and 0 conference champion, but he's a player. What do you expect? The guy's job is to go out and win football games. You know, the people that that make these decisions and and can have a more objective viewpoint, someone who's not on the team, someone who's not yeah. on the field can sit here and say, yeah, like Florida State's a really good team, but you do play in a weaker conference in the ACC. Your schedule is light. And because of that, your 13 and 0 is not as impressive as Bama's 12 and one after beating Georgia. And, and it's just remarkable to me again. And I just think this is where we are as a society. And I, I, I say this all the time. I think sports mirrors society very closely. I think sports mirrors life very closely. We just don't accept the truth. We accept what we want the truth to be, not what the truth actually is. And I think that's where Florida State is. I mean, there's no way getting around the fact that Jordan Travis is an elite quarterback. He's one of the best quarterbacks in college football. But you also can't get around the fact that he's out for the year with a broken leg. And it is really difficult to think that when you put up 55 passing yards and Texas had 354 passing yards in the first half <laughs> and that Alabama beat the 29-game winning streak Georgia Bulldogs back-to-back -back national champions, that those two teams are not more deserving when their quarterbacks, Jalen Milrow and Quinn Ewers, played very well over the weekend. <laughs> and you had 55 yards passing. It's awfully difficult to... to, to to understand that, but the facts are the facts. And at some point you have to accept the outcome. And if the rules were followed and very clearly they were, I, I just think at some point we have to get to a place in this world and in this country specifically where the truth is the truth. It's real. And we can't keep trying to change rules in the moment because we don't like how they were applied to us and what that rule did to us. That's the biggest issue I see for Florida State. You want to sue? Uh, Ron DeSantis wants to burn a million dollars of Florida taxpayer money on this. And Rick Scott wants subpoenas and transparency and Boo Corgan's ass on a yard arm. Hey, man, knock yourself out. Go get what you think you need. That's not going to change the outcome of this. You're not getting Florida State in and knocking Bama or Texas out. You're, you're, just, you're just not doing that. And Again, I think the committee has made this very clear. The Texas win over Alabama, especially with the way that Alabama surged as the year went on, is the best win of the year. So you're not knocking Texas out. And if Bama's in, Texas is in. And there's no way to knock Bama out because they beat the number one team in the country, back-to-back -back national champions, who again had won 29 straight games. Yeah, and I think your point there about, about Texas's win over Alabama, <clears throat> that Bryant Denny being the best win of the year, was further cemented with Bama's win over Georgia. Yes. I, there's just no way around it. And Bama's run through the end of the college football season was nothing short of scintillating. Jalen Milrow and that offensive line's development put them in the college football playoff. And you look at you look at Texas, guys like Xavier Worthy, got the fact that Jonathan Brooks is out for the year and you've got three more guys behind him. I, I don't know that we've ever seen a flex like, yeah, who was that running back Texas lost? I can't remember you know. his name either. Right? Like, it's wild to me. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely wild to me. I, I I think that you look at Texas, and I'm happy to sit here and be right, as I usually am, 
That's the best team in the country. That Texas, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a team run faster than Texas. Xavier Worthy running down the boundary, um, uh, that play where he caught that ball and ran up the middle of the field, just sprinting away from Oak State defenders. I mean, I don't know that there is a more beautiful sight in sports than a human being running at a very fast pace. At 270 pounds or I mean, whatever it's, he is. It's, well, I don't think he's 270, but it's wild how much faster and more athletic the University of Texas football team is than you are. That's the thing that I just, I love about it. I absolutely love it. Jake's looking up how much Xavier yeah. Worthy weighs. What's he uh, weigh? 195 pounds. I'm going to say he's about 210. Uh, officially listed at 170. You're welcome. 210 is being even more generous. It is. And he's, the, I mean, the guy runs like an Impala. It's amazing to me. All right, let's get your thoughts in here. Uh, I was going to drink water, but why would I drink water when water I have ice. a buckshot right here from buckedup.com? Uh, I was talking to a uh, a gentleman last night um, who was asking me about uh, what naturally sourced caffeine looks like, to which I say, oh, let's, let's talk about it because I think it is really important um, to understand that the naturally sourced caffeine in Buckshot is green tea leaf extract, 200 milligrams of naturally sourced caffeine. Now, the thing that you get in other shots, and a lot of people ask me this, well, what do you mean naturally sourced caffeine? Not all caffeine's created equally. Do you guys know this? That you can take chemicals, which is what most, if not all other energy shots do. They take chemicals to force your body to react like it's caffeine. Instead of doing what Bucked Up does and using green tea, leaf extract, magnesium, B12, um, tryptophan, things like um, you know uh, riboflavin, vitamin things where you're getting, you know, 12% of your magnesium, um, which is glycinate magnesium, high absorption, um, is right here in this little buckshot. You get all of that. And what do I always say about bucked up? Elite ingredients that make elite products that do exactly what they say they're going to do. And if you're a morning guy or an afternoon guy, maybe you crash or maybe, hey, you know what? I shook hands with the Amazon driver who, who dropped packages off at my house the other day. Well, really, it was a fist bump. Um, Maybe you just need to power through the, the day delivering all those packages. No matter what you do or what you need, Buckshot's a product for you. Oh, pound one. Have a great Friday. Love that. Buckshot. Get six free Buckshot in the description below. There's a link. Whoa. There's a link. Just click it. They'll send six right to your front door. Uh, and listen, if you're somebody like me, I am a uh, workout guy. You guys know I golf all the time, um, oh, which also means that I am a creatine guy. I, I love creatine. I believe in creatine. I use the six-point creatine uh, from Bucked Up, which means it's all six forms of creatine. Mrs. Monty prefers creatine monohydrate. Mm -hmm. um, I use their pre-workout. I use their creatine. I use their Buckshot. I use their uh, Bucked Up energy drinks like I'm a bucked up guy. Get 20% off at checkout using the promo code Monty at buckedup.com. Let's get back into the comment section because Sean Rollins has gifted five Monty Show memberships. Let's go, baby. Now, when we did this before, when we were Monty in the morning, we uh, our whole goal was to get 50 memberships given out every Friday morning. 
That was our goal. Grow the Monty Show listenership. We're now at uh, 5, 10, 11. Can we get 39 more memberships gifted today? Yeah, just pay it forward, man. Uh, you know, you watch the showroom every day. There are people who watch this showroom that you don't know that are alive, that never comment, never yep. interact, but it's part of their everyday routine who, who maybe really would be interested in a free membership. Yep. And don't forget an hour from now at uh, about hour and eight minutes now, we're going to announce the winner of our $100 Amazon gift card. Because, uh, you know, we do, we're, we're giving away Amazon gift cards for the rest of the month. Uh, because we want you guys to be able to use that to do things like Christmas shopping. You have one hour left to sign up for a new prize picks account. You have to make a deposit, whether it's $5, a million dollars, whatever. Um, and then we are going to draw a winner. And the reason I bring this up now is because if you are a member of the Monty show, uh, you get 10 to one entries. If you're an entry level member, if you're a members only content, you get 25 uh, to one entries. Uh, all you have to do is join prize picks, click the link in the description below, or use the promo code Monty, uh, to get a hundred percent, um, deposit matching. So if you put in $5, they'll give you five more. You put in a hundred, they'll give you a hundred more. Take a screenshot of that deposit, send it to Jake, SLC, Jake, SLC, Jake on Twitter or Instagram. And um, we'll pick a winner one hour from now, and we're going to give somebody an hour from now a $100 Amazon gift card. Let's go, baby. So you put $5 into your prize picks account today, a new prize picks account, new starts only. Uh, you put $5 into your prize pick account, and guess what? You could win a $100 Amazon gift card. One hour from right now on the Monty Show. Hey, hey, Daniel Dixon gives a Monty Show membership. Let's go. Anytime you're ready. Uh, 38 memberships now to go. go. Can we get there? Joseph Harper. What's up, Joseph? Good to see you. Uh, I knew the minute Texas whipped Dolly Gordon State, the winner of the SEC game was going to be in, uh, was going to be the number four team. Well, if Georgia had won the SEC championship, they'd have been the number one. Michigan two, Washington three, Texas would have been the fourth team. Uh, but yeah, I think you were right. As soon as as soon as Texas won, I think it was a very difficult road for Florida State. Well, and I think that part about about Alabama being the four seed versus Georgia staying the one seed, depending on who had won that game, is an important point in the Florida State situation. Because again, Florida State fan wants to say that that oh my God, we were colluded against and Bama, we got and, screwed. Yeah, and it's like, dude, like you didn't get screwed. Like it's very clear what the results on the field were going to to yield in the college football playoff committee room based on what you didn't do. If Florida State had come out and dropped 30 in the first half on Louisville, they'd have still been in the college football playoff, in my opinion. But you did such a poor job because, because Jordan Travis is gone, your backup to him is gone, and then your true freshman coming off the bench is brutal. So because of that, you look terrible. Well, that's why you're not in. It's a very clear, clear and definitive thing. And I just don't understand why we need to waste taxpayer dollars and sue and threaten to sue and like all this nonsense, man. Like just take your dude, just take your licks and move on to next year. It is what it is. You know, I'm tweeting with a guy named Don Morin. Hey, who, Don. Hey, Don who says the fact you said Bama's run at the end of the year was spectacular is pure nonsense. And he is using the fact that Auburn 
um, is a is a bad team. And he says the fact that Auburn was six and five heading into the Iron Bowl, and Alabama only beat Auburn by three points, is indicative of the fact that Alabama is a bad football team, or somehow wasn't spectacular. And I I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say, I watched that final play. And I watched every snap of the Iron Bowl. I thought it was one of the best games I've ever seen in that series. You're going to tell me that because they had a close game in a rivalry game in college football. And again, whether it's the Holy War, whether it is the Civil War, the Apple Cup, you name the best rivalries, the big game between Ohio State and Michigan. Do you really think the record or the talent level in those games matters? You know when it matters? When Jalen Milrow made that play to Bond in the in the back of the end zone. That's when it mattered because when the chips were down, Jalen Milrow made a throw that I'm not sure 99% of quarterbacks in the country could have made. And his offensive line gave him an ass load of time. And do I care that Auburn probably should have had a much more intelligent defense called? No. That play is one of the single greatest plays in Iron Bowl history. And if Alabama had lost that game, we wouldn't be talking about this. And the thing that is remarkable to me is you really think in a, in a rivalry game that records matter? Like, is this your first day on the job as a college football fan? Record When have records ever meant anything? See Oregon v. Oregon State last year at, at, at torn down Research Stadium. Was Oregon a better team than Oregon State last year? <laughs> By far. Does that mean that Oregon State can't beat Oregon? Uh, clearly not. Because we were sitting at Super Chicks on Riverdale Road in Ogden, Utah, watching that game. And I'm going to tell you, Oregon State uh, won that football game. And that Iron Bowl is one of the best rivalry games in the country every single year. Yep. And you're going to sit here and tell me that because Auburn is a 6-6 six and six football team, that that play by Jalen Milrow wasn't spectacular. You're out of your mind, dude. You're, you're out of your mind. Uh, like uh, that, that's the stuff that I just don't understand. So does that mean that Georgia is a crappy team? Cause they only beat Auburn by seven points. Uh, if, if you, you can look at any team in the college football playoff that you want. I mean, I mean, in all honesty, pick a team, pick Michigan, pick Michigan. Are you telling me because they had a, they had a close game with Maryland 31, 24, that Michigan's not. Uh, they're they're just not a, a good team. Are are you telling me that because Ohio State, who's eleven and one, eleven and one, lost their rivalry game thirty to twenty four? Yeah, Ohio State's just not a good team. What are you talking about? What we're sitting here arguing over Florida State, muddling through. They're 13-0, and 0, and most Florida State's fans' argument is we belong in. Well, but that wasn't a great performance. That performance against Louisville, does that mean that, that Florida State's some kind of shitty football team? No, it does not mean that. Florida State is an elite football team. It, how, how, I don't, and, and maybe this is my Monty rant for the day. <laughs> I don't understand how really intelligent people like Don and a lot of other football fans how do you become just instantly stupid um, when you hate a football team um, like Alabama? Because to tweet this is remarkable to me. Well, we just want to make the argument work for for our opinion. You know, we we want to we want to say that again. 
Bama is some kind of bad team because they won by a field goal against Auburn. But then when it, when we bring up the fact that, hey, well, Georgia only beat Auburn by seven points at Auburn, and Georgia was the number one team in the nation. But nobody wants to talk about that when we're talking about winning 29 in a row. So it doesn't really matter. And if you want to talk about weak-ass competition, let's talk about that ACC schedule that Florida State played. So so they they beat up on bad teams. Does that mean that Florida State's not a good team? Yeah. Right? Like, it doesn't work both ways. It doesn't. It, it doesn't work both ways. And, and that's why I agree with what you're saying. Like, anytime it's Bama or Kirby or any of the teams that are in there every year, we just want to sit here and say we've been victimized. And, and the reality of the situation is you haven't been victimized. They're just better than you. Yeah, it, it is. It's, a, it's frustrating to me that people just can't get out of your own way. You know what I mean? Like, come on now. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of shout-outs. Daniel Dixon, gifted a Monty Show membership. Let's go, Daniel. Appreciate you. Uh, Joseph Harper, who had a uh, tough night on prize picks Bro, last that's night. That's one of the – dude, I feel for you, Mr. Harper. That's one of the worst losses I've seen in a minute. Um, he, I guess Devin Booker and uh, Nathan McEnany got him zero. Um assists and shots on goal he took less than 13 and they had zero so that's a win and then uh apparently trey young had zero assists the other night that's a loss that sucks mm -hmm. and um he you won on prize picks on a five dollar flex play with uh philippe forsberg and connor bedard seven and a half shots in goal they had eight did anybody see connor bedard's first shootout where he had the you know in the NHL shootouts where you you you're one on one with the goaltender. Oh my God, he Tommy and that pass the other night that he the assist he had last night. Good Lord! And then LeBron with uh, 41 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. He had 50 for you. So uh, Joseph Harper's a pretty good uh, prize picks player. I'll give you a lot of credit for that. Joseph, way to hang in there. And I think you're one of the new, isn't he in the contest? He is in the competition, yes. He is. So good luck to you. An hour from now, we'll announce the winner. Uh, Steve Barnes gives us a $10 super sticker. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Appreciate Steve. That. Appreciate that. Okay. Well, we don't play We don't play for super stickers. We don't? Okay. We'll well, play for hey, memberships, bro. Uh, okay. Well, I don't. I, I mean, if you want to change the policy, like Florida State's trying to change the policy, we can discuss that. But, you know. Okay. Okay. That's fine. What I want to talk about, uh, I want to switch gears a little bit after we get some of your comments in here. Joseph Harper also says, FSU barely beat Boston College. Which Jordan Travis, 31-29, and BC should have won the game but shot themselves in the foot. Same with Clemson. Mm -hmm. I remember we played uh, Park City uh, Municipal, mm -hmm. and then we were sitting at Squatters. I was believe it? it was Squatters. At yeah. Squatters watching the Florida State Clemson game. We were like, how is Clemson going to lose this game? We built this program on NIL. How's that possible? Kim Coulter, happy uh, the show is early today. So where are y'all playing today? Tomorrow, we are uh, we are going down to St. George Getting tonight. in the family truckster. Yes, and we are playing Copper Rock in Hurricane. Um, so looking forward to that. One of the uh, one of the best courses in the state. Looking forward to that, of course. Uh, Kevin the Destroyer, if Texas had not played Bama this year and was a one-loss Big 12 champ, FSU would have gotten in easy. Agreed. I would Agreed. agree with that. Agreed. The problem is Texas did play Bama and beat Bama in Tuscaloosa, and the committee put a lot of weight on that. Tanner Plummer, uh, if the BCS was still around, Texas would still not be uh, back. The only, the only upside to that system. I, 
I thought the computer models had Texas. I thought the computer models had it exactly the same as the four playoff teams. Am I wrong about that? I could be wrong. Kim Coulter, off topic. Do you guys have an opinion on the rollback of the golf ball? Screw John Rom. And if Tony Finau goes to live golf, that's a big loss. Uh, second of all, the rollback of the golf ball is meaningless. To guys like us, it means nothing. Um, yesterday, I think my top driver swing yesterday was 168 miles an hour ball speed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna, they're, they're saying that it's going to be probably the rollback will cost you. The story is the golf ball is going to be less performance is going to, you're, you're going to get less performance out of a golf ball. It's like what major league baseball did with their baseballs because guys are driving the, like Bryson DeChambeau. I think his top drive this year was four Oh something. You, you're, you understand you're out. The golf ball is out, out hitting golf courses and you're having to expand golf courses to the point where you're using exponentially more water, more land, more resources, more energy, electricity, uh, like all of it. The the footprint of golf is growing massively because you have to have a, a golf course that's so much longer and so much wider and turns so much more because guys are hitting 400-foot drives off the tee. So what the governing bodies of golf did is they said, okay, in three years, I think it's 2028, the golf ball will have to travel uh, five feet less. And basically, people lost their shit over it the other day. To which I say, why do you care? As, as guys like us, I am never going to see a difference in the golf ball. I hit. I only play PXG's golf ball. You guys know we're PXG guys. I only play PXG's golf ball because it's long off the tee and I can control it around the greens. Well, and I think the thing that nobody talks about, like for amateurs like us, is that on the range, like range balls don't fly the way competition balls do. Like they a do PXG not. ball on the course is going to fly further than a range ball you're hitting off the mat. <clears throat> and it's people who buy used Pro V1s, mm -hmm. which I understand. Pro V1s are, right now, I was just at PGA Superstore the other night. A a dozen Pro V1s, I think, are $99.99, and they even make them in a holiday box. Mm-hmm. You want me to pay $100 for 12 golf balls. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. Um, or maybe it's two dozen. I don't remember. But even at two dozen, absolutely ridiculous, right? That used Pro V1 that's been sitting at the bottom of a lake or sitting at the bottom of a reservoir or plugged in mud or sand, that ball's not going nearly as far as a new Pro V1. But because it says Pro V1 on the side, you are absolutely swollen over it. And you think it's going a thousand miles an hour. It's not. On the PGA Tour, will it make a difference? Yes. But I got news for you on the golf ball rollback. Do you think guys like Bryson DeChambeau can't tweak their mechanics to get that extra five feet back? They're going to get that. They, he's going to drive the golf ball 400, 400 yards, whether it, it it is now because the golf ball is tweaked or later because he he lifted a little more weight, lost a little more fat, and now tweaked his mechanics to get those yards back. And I think the thing that nobody wants to talk about with rollback is that the the guys on tour right now who are driving it short, but you know, your, your 260, 270 driver guy, uh, Keegan Bradley as Mr. an example. Mr. Puma. Uh, who? Fowler? Ricky Fowler. Per Ricky Fowler is the perfect example of your take here. 
Yeah. So like for Ricky Fowler and those guys who are shorter drivers, my, my thing is going to be that it's going to put an emphasis on improving your mechanics. Cause if you're going to roll the golf ball back for guys who have, who have lower ball speed already, that's probably going to penalize them more than it is the big hitter because the big hitter has the proper technique to hit it far. So if Bryson DeChambeau is hitting 400 yard drives right now, let's say on average, if he lowers that average to 390, let's be generous and say we chop 10 yards off his drive. You're still out driving the, the, the danger. But I think what this is pointed at doing, and I think this is what the Royal Golf Association in the UK's point is, learn to be a better iron player. That's what this is about. We have become, in the sport of golf, we have become too focused on the driver. We have become too focused on... Um, you know, like Taylor May, and, and again, I, I don't understand why anybody is investing in Taylor May drivers. I don't get it. The next time that I watch a dude on a driving range explode a Taylor made head because it's hollow and it's plastic. <laughs> we've become so enamored with playing the same clubs that Bryson DeChambeau or, or Tiger Woods, or here's the thing that amateurs don't understand. You're not playing the same clubs they are. Do you really believe that you get the same clubs in the store? Or even if you order them from whoever, do you, do you really think you're getting the same club that they use on tour? Do you really think you're getting the same ball, golf ball they get on tour? No, you're not. You're not getting the same stuff. You're not hitting the same stuff. You don't hit it the same way they do. If you were hitting it the same way they do, what's, what's the point of even having a tour? Do you understand that the average amateur golfer is 230 yards off the tee with a driver. Do you understand that the average golfer is hitting about 130 miles an hour off the tee? And that's really good. We're never hitting the ball 400 yards. And if you're hitting the ball 400 yards, go go compete in the long drive competitions because that what that's what those dudes are doing. Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy to me. There's my rant for the day. I feel like I I have made a change in people's life. Yes. So there you well go. Well done. Um SBFIS, standard Bama fatigue induced stupidity. It's getting laughable. Maybe we don't take FSU when they come begging for an SEC membership. Which is the other thing that, that is, I'll continue to say it. You're bitching and you want to sue. FSU wants to sue the college football playoff for um, keeping them out. Colluding with ESPN to keep them out. To which I say... Are you not doing the same thing to the ACC by breaking up the ACC and colluding with your fellow ACC members behind everybody else's back? Uh, it, the hypocrisy is amazing. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to like Alabama. You truly do not. But you have to respect Nick Saban and what that team did this year because they were left for dead and you were happy they were dead. Absolutely. You were kicking kicking dirt onto the coffin at Alabama. People were celebrating. Yeah, and now all of a sudden that they're – they're, I think, likely to win a national championship because I think they're going to beat Michigan. Uh, I think that you're you're sad over it and you want to sue people because of it. Uh, Tanner says, remain to be seen if Texas is the best team in the country. I I don't know that they're the best team. They're the most talented team. They're, they're, in my mind, there is no question about the fact that they are the most talented team. It, I would say they're the most dangerous team, meaning... Hey, you know, teams like Alabama can absolutely beat Texas, but, but what you're not going to do 
is you're not going to get by on turning it over once and think you're going to beat Texas. Texas is that team that that is going to say, okay, we're super deep. We're, we're really good in our best game maybe isn't as good as your best game. Like Bama's best game is probably better than anybody else's best game. But what Texas is saying is the odds of you playing your best game against us is very little, very little. And, and if you turn that thing over once, let alone twice, we're going to win the game. And, and if we sustain an injury at the wide receiver position, next man up. Cause we got, we're loaded. Yeah. And yeah, that's exactly what I think right. is difficult with Texas. Uh, Marcus Emmert, uh, that's why he is fast. If I could just lose 50 pounds, I'd be a sprinter, right? Right. You know, if I could lose 500, I don't buy for a second dudes playing at 170 pounds, three, 300, if I could lose three, seven, I, I would be faster. Sloth speed. Uh, Bryson, uh, Bryce Martin. Monty, I told you when I saw them against Baylor, they're the best. Even when they make mistakes, they still put up big numbers. The thing about Texas is. They're one play away from taking the momentum from you. And it's a it's that that three yard slant to Xavier Worthy. And the thing that and a lot of people hate that I say this about Texas. And I always get arguments when I say this. The thing that pisses people off about guys like Worthy. So you he catches a three yard slant, and you got your DB got lazy off the line and did not chuck him. Right? You gave him, you were, you, you were playing sideline leverage. And I think there's probably 15 examples of this on tape this year mm -hmm. where Xavier Worthy and Quinn Ewers are so in sync that they make eye contact. And if the DB, if the corner is playing press sideline leverage, Xavier Worthy is going to beat him inside and Quinn Ewers is going to hit him in the chest with the football. And the thing that people hate about that is, Xavier Worthy didn't just beat you for three yards. Yes, the ball came and hit him at three yards off the break. But the problem with Xavier Worthy is as soon as he's got it, he his first step is a two-yard step. So now he just gained five yards on you. And you were playing outside leverage, so you are leaning the wrong way. So now he's probably at seven yards on another step. And at that point, he's at a full sprint already. And Quinn's hitting him in stride. It's, it's one of those things where you can't make a mistake against Texas because their athletes are better than yours. And then you incorporate a 700-pound behemoth into Vondre Sweat, and I don't know what he weighs, but he he is their best defensive lineman, but it's very close. And they've got quite legitimately seven defensive linemen at Texas. And they've got a linebacking core that's coming for, for skulls. 6'4", 362. He's 6'4", 362, and he runs like a linebacker to Vondre Sweat. That's why Texas is good. And Quinn Ewers, again, what did Quinn say on college game day, the feature they did on him? He did not take being quarterback at Texas for anything other than granted. He took it for granted. And he got hurt last year, and it changed him. And so he became a professional quarterback, and he studied, he grew, he got into film. Like this Jaden Daniels story. Have you guys seen this Jaden Daniels story? Jaden Daniels, LSU quarterback. People are wondering, well, what did he do? How did he improve so much? Well, it turns out that nobody knew this until last week when the story came out. LSU and Jaden Daniels partnered with a German VR company. 
They made a VR system for Jaden Daniels that in, uses an iPad and a VR headset. And it when he puts on that headset, it puts him in an opponent's stadium and they built stadium models for every road game for LSU. It allows Jaden Daniels to practice against the other team's defense using offensive play calls and verbiage in virtual reality space. So how did he get more effective? How did he, because he has, one of the things that people have said about, about Jaden is he has a master level handle on, on LSU's offense. He says it's because of this German VR system mm -hmm. because they programmed uh, LSU's offense into the VR system. And so he was practicing the play calls all season long and then executing the offense in VR in his opponent's stadiums. And people are wondering why he may well win the, the Heisman Trophy tomorrow. And when you put this device on, it feels like you're on the field. I mean, you can go up to the line of scrimmage, you can come back off of it, you could use the whole football field if you chose to, to move around in it. The other thing that we felt like was a big plus, we have simulated the, the away team stadium. Now we know where the play clock is. Now we know where he, he doesn't have to start looking at this environment and, and trying to adapt to it. It also has an eye tracking device. So we're seeing him the way he can track and scan the field. He claims to us it has just made a huge, I asked him yesterday, matter of fact, how much has this really impacted you? And I'm thinking, all right, he's going to give me 5%. He said from scanning wise, from scanning, almost 75 to 80% is what he told me. Wow. And we started the Mississippi Jeez. State game is when we started this. And it has just been a, a crazy progression. And he said, you know, more and more. And Mario's done a fantastic job by getting this information in, getting it into the system based off what the coaches want. Dude, it is, it is wild to me. They started with the Mississippi State game. 30 of 34 for 352 yards. Think about that. And it's all because this is why I'm telling you guys, talent is not the issue. All of these teams are talented. You look at the four teams in the playoff, they're all really talented. Mm -hmm. But when Quinn Ewers is outworking you, when Jaden Daniels is outworking you, and by all accounts, Jalen Milrow has turned into an absolute playbook worm and he is spending as much time as allowed by rule uh, with his offensive coordinator and, and trying to command this offense. And we saw it, I think, all season long. Talent's great, and you need to be very talented. Texas is probably the best example of this. Texas is by far the most talented team, but what are they also? What did Jade Barron tell us at Big 12 Football Media Days? It's like taking candy from a baby. He's so prepared. He said, I know where the football's going every snap the opponent takes because he's so well prepared and i think it's you know it goes back to you know especially for all you lsu fans out there og gary and and company you know it goes back to what joe burrow talked about a couple years ago that that he doesn't win the game on saturday he wins it on wednesday thursday and friday and, and i think the concept of using you know vr to prepare your team but really specifically to prepare your quarterback is brilliant because it never really crossed my mind yeah like when, like 10 years ago, when dudes were rolling up to a stadium they've never been to, they do need to figure out where the play clock is. They do need to figure out where, you know, these things that are important to them 
you know, they need to know where that stuff is. And so the idea that you can get into the opposition's defensive scheme and, and, and really start to, to, to see the looks, just think about it as a quarterback, you know, you're the most repetition you have is walking up to the line or, or in Jaden's case, standing in the shotgun most of the time, looking at the defense in that viewpoint, depending on what stadium you're playing in changes completely. I, I mean, think about, you know, Notre Dame stadium versus Bryant Denny. I mean, that's two totally different looks, let alone the defense you're trying to beat. So the idea that you not only can program this thing to have the detail of the stadium, but then you can be running sets versus the opposition's actual defense based on what your game tape shows is, is absolutely out of this world. And what's interesting, Alex Smith, the uh, when he was with the 49ers, him and I actually had this conversation about the 49ers' new stadium. And one of the things we were talking about is that Candlestick Park versus Levi Stadium, your eyes see things differently. And I I always equate this to a great jump shooter or a basketball player. It's tough to shoot in some buildings because of the lights. Well, when you're a quarterback, your eyes are drawn to different things. Like one of the things that we've seen is with all the ribbon boards, and with all the big scoreboards now, it's very distracting to your eyes. So they were talking about it in that thing with VR. You can see where Jaden Daniels or any quarterback's eyes are going. So when you simulate a stadium in virtual reality, those scoreboards are there. The play clock is there. The sideline where your coach is, is there. That it, It's fast. I could talk about it all day. Because I think it is absolutely a game changer. But, but I think it makes sense as to why he's seen such an uptick in performance. And no, I'm not saying um, by any stretch of the imagination that that this is like, you know, like I've seen some people say, oh, we well, using VR is like below book or it's somehow cheating, cheating or scheming or and I don't think it is. I, I, I think I think any advantage that you can get in your preparation is totally fair game. Like like if you're. You know, if you're able to use VR and your your program's figured out a system to 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 put you in that prepares you better, that's not cheating. That's just doing the job better. And so it's it's the old adage that like the film room is is great for some teams and terrible for other teams. Oh wow! Speaking of Alabama, uh, Mississippi State announces Coleman Hutzler is its new defensive coordinator for Jeff Levy. He's been Alabama's linebacker coach and special teams coordinator for the last two years. There you go. Wow. Um, that's a huge step up. Boy, Jeff Levy's putting together a nice little staff at Mississippi State. That's a, that's a big one. That is a, that's a big hire. I think it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting that Alabama loses, like whether it's Bill O'Brien or Steve Sarkeesian or, um, I mean, Alabama loses coaches every single year. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Wow. That's a big hire. Giggity said, Tanner, you're just a hater. No matter what Texas does, you'll always find something. Oh boy. Oh God. What did, what did Tanner Plummer say? Uh, okay. But if the most talented team in the nation, then they need to prove it in the college football playoff. Do you really think the most talented team always wins? You think that's, that's rarely true. I mean, baseball, how come Mike Trout hasn't won a World Series? Or how come, I mean, do you really, Juan Soto just got traded to the Yankees. Does that mean they're going to win a World Series next year? Do you really think the most talented team always wins? Do you think Alabama's the most talented team? They're not. Do you think Michigan's the most talented team? They're not. 
pre-Harbaugh, in my opinion, is a very average quarterback. But they're undefeated, and they won the Big Ten. I mean, they're the most talented team. Or That'd be America's team. They're not the most talented team. The the in in football specifically, preparation and coaching is, in my opinion, just as important as talent. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't have talent, sure, you could take a one star kid and turn him into a three star kid. But if you got got a bunch of five stars and they're well coached and they're developed and they work hard and they're prepared, they're, that's the best team. And I think I keep talking about this, and apparently people don't want to listen to me. Texas has an elite coaching staff. Texas has. Pete Kwiatkowski is, I think, the most name that nobody knows. Under the radar. And he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. I keep telling you guys that their coaching staff's elite. Do you think Nick Saban's talking about putting people on the bus in the right seats because that's just a cool thing to say? He's an elite football coach. He has our full respect. But there are, is Alabama the most talented team? They're not. But damn, I think I can make the argument they're the best team. Mm-hmm. The most talented team does not always win. That these rivalry is is Auburn as talented as Alabama? No, but there's a certain level that guys raise to in these games. I I just is yeah. We'll see. Katie Raider worthy is hurt. I think. Well, will he be healthy at the end of the month? Because he's got a month to get healthy. So we'll see what. Yes, he hurt that ankle, and he's we'll, lucky it wasn't worse. We'll see what what that. I haven't I haven't seen an update on Xavier Worthy. Uh, but I, I mean, you have a month. That's what, that's the reason they give you all that time because they want your teams to be healthy. It's again, the reason this, this whole Jordan Travis at Florida state thing, he's not going to be healthy to play in that game. So you're not going to, you're not going to be, you're not going to be healthy. So they're not going to put you in. It, it just is what it is. I don't see that he's out. Um, Texas is a four point favorite 33rd in opponent passer rating. Um, Xavier worthy, 73 catches, 969 yards and five touchdowns. And again, I think Mitchell is so far under the radar at Texas. I, is he not a great, uh, a great number two? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. I think worthy will be fine. He will absolutely be fine and it'll be good. Uh, Tanner, I admit, I hate Texas but I can't help but respect what they've done. That said, if they really are the most talented team in the nation, they need to prove it in the college football playoff. It just doesn't matter. The most talented team is not probably going to win because Alabama is not the most talented team. And I think Alabama will win. Uh, If the Horns win it all, then they are the most talented. Stop. No, they're not. Uh, Gumby fresh out first. Yes, congratulations. You're first again. <laughs> uh, Texas versus Washington rematch of last year's Alamo Bowl. I think that's one of the most under the radar matchups. Yeah, again, I think, I think, you know, the, the difference, you know, between what Texas has seen in the big 12 and what they're going to see with Washington is very simple. Michael Penix jr. Left-handed quarterback. That's got an absolute cannon and can out throw your defense whenever he wants to. Yep. And I don't give a damn how fast that DB is covering you know, a Dunzi or whoever you want to point to, like they are able to outrun you and out throw you. And that's what I think, again, that's what I think makes the college football playoff so special is that we get to see, Hey, what is, what is the most talented team in the nation do against, uh, against a Heisman trophy candidate, possibly the guy who wins it. Like that's what I love about the college football playoff. I agree. And I'd also remind you, a is another perfect example. 
are are those DBs in those defenses, specifically Alabama, Kool-Aid McKinstry? So let me just ask you, if Kool-Aid McKinstry is one-on-one with Xavier Worthy, Xavier Worthy, Worthy beats the press, is hit in stride. Can Kool-Aid McKinstry run with Xavier Worthy? Uh, not from a three-yard disadvantage, he cannot. Is is the fact that Xavier Worthy is more talented the reason that he's beating Kool-Aid McKinstry? Absolutely not. He's beating him because he beat him on technique, which was coached. And he's beating him on relationship with his quarterback. Like that talent is important, but you, the coaching, yeah. Gary Wolf, after that Black Friday debacle, followed by them steamrolling Ollie State, I'm finally a believer in Texas. I still hate him, but I believe in him. And that's what it is. With Alabama, Texas, pick your poison. You don't have to like them, but you better learn to love them. Yeah, and I respect that take. See, I'm fine with that as a sports yes. fan. Hey, I hate them, but but you got to respect them. And yeah. and and winning is is winning is a great equalizer, man. <laughs> if you're gonna win, you can't hate on them. Giggity, 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 giggity. Did that? Uh, did the VR have the other team's hand signals on the sideline? Asking Steeler guy. Asking. Asking for a friend, which which I think is remarkable. This picture. Iconic. Infamous. Re, like, and this is the level of degeneracy that Ohio State fan <laughs> is sunk to. You search the interwebs for a picture of Michigan coaches, and you found their charts of hand signals. Well, hey, if they put two middle fingers up, does that mean F you? No, it means blitz off the edge. Okay, fuck you. How's that? Right. That's wild to me, Giggity. Well done. Well done. Way to make it better. Oh, my God. Yes, way to make it better. Steve Stepanek, how are you, my friend? Uh, will Texas get the Big 12 curse leaving and not winning? We'll see. We'll see. I well, think they're I think they're well past that. But they won the championship. Yeah, they're well already. past that now. The Big 12 portion's over with. We're we're the big they they won the Big 12. They put that thing to bed. Like I'm I I I'm a firm believer that. They're just past that that chapter in the book now. They're they're well on to, hey, we we gotta we gotta prove that that we can beat the best team we've seen all year. In my opinion, like I mean, obviously, I think Washington today, or on game day, mm-hmm. is better than that Bama team they saw at Bryant Denny in what was that week four? I think it was or yep. whatever. Yep, yep. So this is the best team they've seen all year. Yeah, for sure. But if you're asking me who I want, yeah, I want Texas and Bama for a national championship. You're damn right I do. Yeah, I agree. Craig Kitchen, uh, you just said the players step up in big games, so why can't FSU why can't FSU can't be in? Uh, why can't FSU be in? Because Jordan Travis isn't going to have an opportunity and Brock Glenn didn't step up in, in a big game. Did you watch the ACC championship? Oh, Did- that's right. You don't know who Brock Glenn is either. His parents don't know who he is. <laughs> um, and, and again, I just go back. This is not the ACC championship, and I think a lot of people need to understand this. Brocklin, the freshman quarterback at Florida State, this was not his first appearance at Florida State. Mm-hmm. You guys understand um, that he had played in three games. Now, were, did he have measurable numbers? Not really in those previous three games. But does that excuse 8 of 21 for 55 yards and 38% completion? And I'd remind you, 55 yards, 19 of them came on one play. Well, big players step up in big games. Well, then I'm going to guess that Mr. Glenn is not a big player. And that's why Florida State can't be it. You just hate Florida State, Monty. 
Come on. Yeah. Um, you know me. Uh, Bama loses a coach, and they're like, eh, K-State loses a coach. And, oh, my God, turn us over. We're done. Portal Exodus. Hey, Manhattan's going to – There's. we're going to find out who K-State is because – Pack this thing up. We're out of here. 90% of that program is wearing a different uniform next year. It's wild how much of the coach and talent is gone. Gumby fresh out. If talent was king, then Oregon would have beat Washington twice. Yes, they would have. Empty. The opposite. Of That's exactly right. Well, 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 well. Dakota Tubbs has decided well, to grace well, us. Well. I mean, you're he's here so that now the show can start. Man, thanks. Now, for... now the show because Missouri is in the house. Go Tigers! You know, I always had to be negative. Well, I mean, he, the most ham, the big game, big players step up in big games, and here's our biggest player, Dakota Tuss. That was a masterpiece of dog shit. Yeah, you should probably lose some weight, big player. That's I'm, bullshit. I have no idea what you look like. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Ron, this isn't collusion. You can't sit there with a straight face and tell any of us that FSU wouldn't have provided adequate competition in their current state with the rest of the college football playoff teams. It's facts, dude. Facts. I agree. Who said something about collusion? Uh, Ron Loney. The NCAA commissioner sold out the majority of his own constituents and ignored his contractual obligations for money. I'm sorry. I, I thought you said contractual obligations. Show me what contractual obligations you're pointing to. So he's he's contractually obligated to put Florida State in? Is that what you're saying? Come on. Come on. Um. Ron also says this is also about making a different set of rules for the schools with a hundred billion plus. You're talking about the, the new, can we get this right real quick? Hour number two of the Monty show is presented as always by our friends at TridayTrading.com. TridayTrading.com. You guys hook it up. I'm telling you again, I like four or five people reached out to me last night after the show because Alema Harrington was on talking about uh, the fact that Triday Trading is going to pay for you to be a professional trader. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Triday Trading does, in fact, fund a trading account for you once you're through their program, and you trade with their money to get you started, not your own money. I And I, I thought that I had talked about that enough. TridayTrading.com, when you, you go through their program, right, when you're ready to graduate and you move on and you're trading, they're going to open a trading account and they're going to put money in that account. When you make money with their money, they're going to give you 80% of the profits, up to 80% of the profits. And then when you're ready to trade with your own money, you're out. You can do that for a month, a year, a decade, never have your own money on the line. Sure, trade with Triday Trading's money. It's up to you. That's the greatness at Triday Trading. They're going to build a program that works for you. Get your $10 charitable donation at TridayTrading.com, give them $10 to donate to charity, which they will. They'll open you a 30-day trial membership, and you're going to be trading in uh, simulated trades within a, within the first two days that you're in the program. It's a phenomenal trial membership. No obligation at the end of it. Hook it up. TridayTrading.com. Real quick on this super conference. So you guys understand, and I think most of you do not, what is being proposed by Charlie Baker at the NCAA is not Michigan's going to leave the Big Ten. They're not leaving the Big Ten. It's a division, not a conference. And what that means is anybody can buy into this upper division. And all it means is you're going to play by a different set of rules. 
You're going to set aside $30,000 at a minimum for 50% of all of your athletes, not football, not basketball, 50% of all of your athletes. So if you've got 100 athletes, that's, you know, $3 million. You've got to set it aside. And you got to put it in a trust, and that $30,000 goes to each athlete every year they're in your program. Um, you can pay them, obviously. NIL rules are different. Recruiting rules are different. Performance rules are different. But you don't leave your current conference. So USC or Oregon or Michigan staying in the Big Ten, but they're in this upper division, so they're governed by different rules. And all it is is a division made up of schools that play at a different economic level. It's, it is, hey, you want to play blackjack? It's simply a matter of what's the hand worth? Are we playing $5 blackjack or $100 blackjack? That's what it is. In the supper division, you're playing $100 a hand. Where everybody else is playing $5 a hand. The concern is, is that, okay, if you allow this upper division who's playing $100 blackjack to create their own NIL rules, let's say, or to create their own playoff rules, let's say, or whatever. Where does where are we drawing the line in the sand on what exactly, you know, how much they can change their experience and yes. what they're playing for? That's what that's what guys like Ross Dellinger are talking about in their reporting on this, is that when that memo was sent out about this division, this upper division, um, you know, people freaked out. People, people said, Hey, like, how are we gonna afford this? Like, how can we get into this? Like this is a huge problem. And it's not just the school. It's, you know, it's collectives. It's the 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 governing bodies of the school. I mean, it's it's everybody involved in the process who's got a stake to NIL money in some form or fashion. And the other thing I think is so amazing is the first thing that the Neanderthals want to tell you. And when I say Neanderthals, I accidentally turned on Fox Sports Radio last night on the way home. Deckass. I I... I was putting, I had my Yeti thermos in my hand. I took a sip and I have a big cup holder that is made to hold this Yeti. I put Can it in the, it? yeah, I put it in the cup holder and I, I accidentally nudged the radio dial and I, on Sirius XM, Don't lie to me. yeah, it went to Fox sports radio. <laughs> and what's the first thing I heard? Oh, women's sports are done. What is, what did Charlie Baker say? This does not mean that we get to ignore or overlook Title IX. Women's sports will not be impacted by this upper tier. Yeah, I mean, they, they, it explicitly says in the memo, this is protected uh, under Title IX, that, that, that you have to include. That's, that's the whole premise of it, though. That's why it's like, hey, dude, it's, it's half of all of your student athletes in your athletic department. Half. So that's if, it. if you've got two, it's one. If you've got a thousand, it's five hundred. That that benchmark doesn't change for anybody. But but I think the concern is more is more surrounding, you know, hey, no. you know, if we're gonna create rules on this stuff, what's to stop them from creating rules on other stuff that creates bigger advantages for them? To which I say, hey, maybe you should win on the football field more so you can create more revenue uh and you can buy your way in. That's the hard Correct. part about this. Dakota Tubbs. Hey, Monty, just because my last name is Tubbs doesn't mean I'm fat. What does your last name have to do? No, guy. <laughs> this is why you, you, you don't went, make fat jokes. See, that went way over his head, dude. That went way over it his head. It was big guys <laughs> performing big games. 
and we said you're a big game per- we to- were complimenting you dude big has, guys like has, fat asses big guys it has, has nothing, nothing to, to do, do with tubs dude with we didn't say like we didn't say hey tubby we didn't say that I, we i never said hey chubs i i actually said you're the biggest performer the show can start because Dakota's here. He's the biggest performer now. Like <laughs> I do like his last question there, though, at the end there. Um, you're going to call me Dakota Bathtubs next? <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> what you do with your bath bombs? Although, I, I will make a confession to you. <laughs> Before we fire Sean McDermott from the Buffalo Bills, I will make a confession to you here on the Monty program. Mm-hmm. My wife... So I'm currently obsessed with pina colada and... Oh, boy. I thought we were going a different direction there, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You really should get tested. Um, I am currently obsessed with pina colada and coconut body wash. Love it. We haven't been able to find a good one here stateside. Right. Um, So... We were getting Jake his putter the other night at PGA Superstore. Mm-hmm. Memo to PGA Superstore. Closing at 730 is stupid. You're welcome. Um, so there's an Alta Beauty by this particular PGA Superstore. My wife goes in there and she buys banana sugar scrub body wash. I tried it for the first time this morning. Didn't, I'm so bricked up right now. Almost didn't get out of the shower. It was, I'm telling you, your body wash matters. If you can get coconut or banana body scrub, banana sugar body scrub, amazing. So what is, what, so you've always been kind of an Island breeze guy. You love the, you love the pina colada. Coconut. No, 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 no. Don't try to make me out like I'm soft, like Drake. Right. I like (laughs) coconut. Uh-huh. I'm a huge, I eat coconut shavings, raw coconut shavings. The nut. Yeah. Um, I love me the nut and <laughs> stay hard. <laughs> I love coconut. I'm a huge fan of coconut. I put coconut shavings in my oats every morning. Like right, I'm right. just, I'm all about it. Have you been about it your whole life? Or like, when did you get on the coconut train? Shut up, Jake. Um, I, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I have not. My wife um, quite literally drug my ass to Hawaii, mm-hmm. and I love it. So I've fallen in love with Hawaii, and I've fallen in love with that that lifestyle. Yep. So you put me in Hawaii, and I'm going to have a pina colada. Uh, I'm going to have a, a a lava lava flow. Lava flow. Yeah. Being being in Hawaii definitely encourages the yeah you know the Hawaiian flavors, the coconuts, and, the yeah. And we we stay generally like we stay at Weston properties. This property we stayed at on Oahu had mango body wash, and it oh, so was beautiful. Good. It was so awesome. Good. I love mango stuff, dude. as a man i'm allowed to say that i like nut and banana i i can say that right i can i have testosterone oh dude you can't oh bro bro i you know there's nothing like licking the skin off of a mango you gotta get stroked while you're listening to drake sing love songs i mean Uh, i don't know yeah i've never been more aroused than when that when that mango juice is dripping down your arms and and you're looking the hell out of that thing and drake is talking about you know take a shot for me oh sure i'm happy to his cock you do love you some drake yeah you do 
See, Love, so so you know. hey, you know, bathtubs McGahee <laughs> over here. Thanks, thanks, dude. You're welcome, Dakota Tubbs. Thanks for ruining the show, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> James Knight, did you just say you like nuts? I love them. Got a whole bag right over there. <laughs> I do. Cashews. Because my wife loves nuts, too. So, <laughs> Gumby fresh out with a bunch of emojis. Okay, easy Don't get there. put in timeout, dude. Uh, OG Gary, mangoes, pomegranates, grapes, watermelon, guava. Yeah, Drake mm -hmm. songs. All of those are in Drake songs. Right. There is no doubt. Uh, 10 second Buick GN. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, man. I don't need to hear about your love life, sir. Uh, we need to bail on the fruity nut combo. This is going off the rails. Isn't that the, isn't that the point? Uh, Daniel says it's getting dip in here fast. It is. Right. Uh, Tanner Plummer, if you like pina colada. 21. OG Gary, macaque. Yeah, that's right, OG. That's correct. Exactly right. Macaque. Uh, Gary Wolf licking the banana and the nuts. <laughs> There you go, Drake. There you go. Uh, the Monty Show presented, uh, as always, by our good friends at The Advocates, theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. Uh, you guys, The Advocates are raising money for homeless uh, and those without shelter this winter. Think about where we are right now. And again, now that the sun's up, it's officially 31 degrees outside. Wow. And our homeless population is suffering this time of year. Um I, I just love the fact that the advocates are always working in the community and they're partnered with the road home, the foremost homeless advocacy, advocacy groups in the country to provide coats, jackets, blankets, socks, and gloves for homeless people uh, in this very difficult time of year. And I'm asking you now, um, if you have a dollar, if you have $5, if you have a million dollars, please consider donating uh, to the advocates on Venmo uh, advocates donations, advocates donations on Venmo. Uh, and please just put Monty show, um, you know, the road home, Monty show homeless, help the advocates and the road home get blankets, coats, gloves, hats, socks into the hands and on the bodies of those that are exposed to these incredibly dangerous conditions because the advocates are working in your community. That's right. I said in your community. So when you think about whether you're in Phoenix and it's way too hot in the summertime, if you're in Utah, Montana, Idaho, Denver, Colorado, and you have treacherous winter seasons, there are people living in those conditions. We're the 1%. Everybody watching the show, we're the 1%. We hit the human lottery. Let's help those who are not as fortunate as us. And I'm serious. If it's a dollar, if it's a hundred dollars, a million dollars, whatever you have to give, please consider donating to the advocates theadvocates.com. You can hit them on Venmo, Advocates Donations. If you if you want to donate through the show, hit the tip jar and say, hey, please give this to the advocates. We'll absolutely do that for you. Let's help the homeless people in our community. Thank you to the advocates, the best injury attorneys in the business at theadvocates.com, where you never pay the advocates unless and until they win your case and you never reach into your pocket to scratch them a check because they don't have consultation fees. They don't have retainers. You can get to theadvocates.com right now and talk to an attorney for, th for free at theadvocates.com. Delaric, hello, Delaric. Good to see you. Thank yeah, you for the $2. Welcome Appreciate back. you. Um, what do you guys think of the new Duke football coach? I think it is a really good hire. And I think the thing that is, that is, Duke is very interesting to me. 
And I say Duke is interesting because when you look at Duke football, is Duke football high profile? I don't know if I would say that Duke football is high profile. What do we, when you say high pro, what does high profile mean to you? Like when you hear that, what do you, you know, what do you when think? I, when I think high profile, can they win the ACC championship, Duke football? I would say not yet, but I would also say in the same breath that they are on a track where they're progressing towards being there. Well, you hire a guy like Manny Diaz, who is the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at Penn State. You hire Manny Diaz to be the head coach at Duke football. Now you're cooking with gas because I think offense is important in college football. I think in college football, you want a defensive guru to be your head coach who has relationships to hire an offensive guru. And I think that's who Manny Diaz is. Coming from Penn State, being around James Franklin, being around Bill O'Brien, uh, being a, a, the, the lineage that, that Manny Diaz has, I think this is a phenomenal hire for Duke. He's a name. He certainly is somebody that can recruit. And I think if you if you look at Manny Diaz's resume, and has he had success at every stop? Very clearly, he has not. And I think if you look at what Manny's done at Penn State, I think you look at his background. Um, you know, as somebody that was a grad assistant all the way all those years ago at Florida State, um, but stops at Texas. Louisiana State, Mississippi State, Miami, Florida. He's got a he's got a history now where he's going to be able to go into Duke and he's going to be able to turn them into a very strong defensive program. Let's see who he hires on his staff. That I think is 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 a big one. He was only at Penn State 2 years, but man their defenses are very good. So, I love the hire, Delaric. I think it is I think it's a really important time for Duke football and for Manny Diaz. And I think they need each other right now. Uh, Dakota Tubbs, I'm only here to derail the show. I feel like it's my brand at this point. Like when the show gets a little nutty. So see what he did there? We were making a bunch of jokes about uh, nut juice and coconuts. No, and you were. No, Man, we you, were. We you, were. I mean, it's, it's not the Jake show. It's the Monty show. So we were. It's the Monty program. Right, right. How about somebody saying it's program, not program? Dude, I, I, I like... What do you mean? Nobody says program. Hey guys, uh, I don't know who you. The, I don't know who you are anymore. It's the, it's the program. No, it's not. Program. Exactly right. Uh, RJC man, Jake makes the bathroom sounds. That that's Duke football. Okay, I mean that's not very nice. Uh, Duke, 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 Duke of Earl, Duke, Duke, Duke of Earl, um, Duke of Durham, Durham, Durham. You know, uh, OG Gary, no jagoffs. It's program. Exactly Correct. right. Interesting. Uh, <clears throat> there's some outrage happening in Jazzland on Twitter right oh, now. Oh God! The Trib has put out another another hit piece on the Jazz allegedly. Now I can't read the Trib because I don't pay for the Trib, but apparently I believe it lowers your IQ as well. There's, jazz owner, and I'm, this is a quote off of a certain writer's Twitter. Jazz ownership met with Point of the Mountain and Draper leaders, quote, about a year ago about moving the Delta Center down to Draper. And jazz fans are pissed on Twitter looking at this post, like not amused. Why? Because they don't want it to leave downtown Salt Lake. They okay, don't... that's great. But what? 
I mean, I'm not going to get sucked in. I'm firing Sean McDermott. I'm not talking jazz. This is the kind of stuff where, again, I, it, for those of you that are Utahns and Salt Lake City people, why do you read the Tribune? Can I just ask you, why do you read the Tribune? Why? Why? It, you're, you are dumber for it. The Tribune is a rag, dude. If you do not subscribe to The Athletic, I just, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, Joseph Harper, hey, Monty, how about the Steelers becoming the first team ever 500 to lose to a team that was eight games apart twice? <laughs> because it's garbage. Maybe we should fight. Mike Tomlin, this has to be it. This has to be it. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. OG Gary, build it and Draper, why wouldn't you? They just spent millions of dollars to renovate Delta Center. My guess is that's all over with. But if we're building ballparks in, in daybreak, we can build stadiums at Point of the Mountain. Which Ryan Smith, who owns the Jazz, I know this is going to shock some people. He can do what he wants. It's his <coughs> team. He, and, doesn't, he doesn't need your permit. And if he builds it at Point of the Mountain, guess what? You're going to go to Jazz games. And he wants to cater to the BYU crowd. And he want, No, he wants to cater to the rich crowd, which is Silicon Slopes, which is at point of the mountain. You're welcome. I know. I know. Crazy talk. Uh, RJC man, Pat Narduzzi has not figured out offensive coordinators yet in 10 years. No, he has not. I would agree with that. If you build it, they will come. Yes, they will. Uh, Lopes fan Gabe. Good morning. Does Delta center move down to Draper displace all of Teddy's moms? I believe it does. <laughs> Speaking of nut juice, I believe it does. <laughs> I think Teddy's in dude, a lot of dude. trouble here. <laughs> That's one of the best polls of the morning, dude. That's um, so well done. All right. 1,700 views on the show, only 51 likes. Please hit the like button. Let's at least get to 100. Uh, while we talk about a massive controversy brewing in Buffalo, have you guys heard about this? Um, Sean McDermott, three years ago, in a training camp speech, referenced 9-11 when trying to motivate his team to come together as a team and communicate. Mm -hmm. Sean McDermott essentially said, look at the terrorists on 9-11 who overcame incredible odds to come together and imagine the level of communication that was needed for them to pull this off. Like they, they did some great thing and people are pissed. I would remind you, Sean McDermott is the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Help me, Jake. Buffalo is in the state of Buffalo, New York. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, it's a bad look, dude. Did you have a brain freeze? I did. Buffalo is in the state of New York, and Sean McDermott claimed in his apology uh, that he had lost close friends on 9 11, to which I say, Sean. Uh, this isn't really an apology at all. I want to reference um, the team meeting that has been brought up. Uh, my intent in the meeting that day was to discuss the importance of communication and being on the same page with the team. I regretted mentioning 9-11 in my message that day, and I immediately apologized to the team. Not only was 9-11 a horrific event in our country's history, but a, day, but a day that I lost a good family friend. It was mentioning 9-11 in the context of um, the team meeting that was the goal of the team meeting was about 
the importance of communication and being on the same page as a team. I'm not here to, to discuss the, the article that's out there and the things that are mentioned other than this right here because this right here is very, very important to me. And um, something I take very seriously. Uh, well, apparently you didn't take it seriously enough in 2019 when you made these comments. It was so uncomfortable for the players. He asked, he started asking the players, well, what do you think at the time? He said, what do you think their biggest obstacles to overcome were? There were several awkward answers until one player said uh, the TSA and the room broke out in laughter. To which Sean McDermott was supposedly not happy about. He claims that he knew he had done something wrong. So when the team gathered on the field for practice before practice started, he got them all together and apologized for this. Mm -hmm. To which I say too little, too late. At some point, not only is your team very average and doesn't win big games, not only have you stagnated a quarterback and fired your offensive coordinator and scapegoated just about everybody but yourself, but if you're the Pagula family, how is this not the last straw for Sean McDermott? I feel passionately that the Buffalo Bills should fire Sean McDermott for this and many other things. Jake, am I right or wrong? I think you're you're right. I mean, I I, I think that you know this this season's been riddled with complaints and issues in terms of Josh Allen's performance and you know it, just the team's performance overall. And and I think now the problem for Sean is that that we no longer care about whether your team is good or not because you've given us something more. You you you've commented and tried to get your team, I guess, to come together by using one of the most horrific days in American history as the focal point. And I'm just here to say there are very few things that are pretty much untouchable in terms of what you're going to talk about publicly or, or in front of a group of people, right? 9-11 is definitely on that list. You do not talk about 9-11 uh, it really in any other capacity other than to, you know, to remember, right, to 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 cherish the life that was lost that day, to understand what happened that day. As an example, to talk to kids who were not alive during that time about that day. We, we don't need you trying to make light of how good the terrorists executed on their plan to fly buildings or to fly planes into buildings into the biggest city in our country. And then ask your players to give you examples of things they felt like the terrorists had to overcome to triumph. So so you're correct that because this happened, because they're in the state of New York and Buffalo, that this is a problem. But that's and this makes the it biggest worse. problem. I think it makes it worse. I think this is a problem in any NFL city. Agreed. Agreed. I think it makes it far more worse that you are that you're in Buffalo in New York, which I know you were unaware Buffalo's in right. New York. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but you my know. point is, I, I just I don't understand this, it, and it, I think it's something that's in our culture, and I don't know why that is. What was the thought process, Sean? Did you so did you wake up that day three years ago and you were like, all right, I need to. It's training camp. I need to emphasize communication, and that you know communication is what's going to allow us to be successful as a football team. You know, as we move through the season, there's expectations. We got to make sure we're on the same page. So you thought it'd be a good idea as a, as a to, to use an analogy that included the terrorists on 9-11? 
Like, what are we doing? What what makes you think that that's a good idea? And this is why mm-hmm. I agree with you. He should be fired for this. I don't care if it happened yesterday or three years ago, dude. And I'm not a guy who's like, yeah, fire everybody. Burn the thing to the ground. But when it comes to Sean and 9-11, dude, I kind of think that's where we are. I kind of think that this is a cardinal sin that you cannot commit and hope to keep your your job. And if they do keep him in the organization as a player, like Josh Allen as an example, I'd have a problem. I would have a problem because that represents you really badly. Yeah, I struggle with this thing also. And I want to play his comments again because I think this is important. I believe that anytime somebody says, well, you know, when I was talking about 9-11, I just got it wrong. And by the way, I lost people in 9-11 too. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I don't know. But the fact that you bring it up because you're trying to apologize and save your ass doesn't make me feel like, yeah, boy, you really have, you have a lot of respect for the sacrifice and the suffering of of 9-11 families who, you know, actually lost people on 9-11 and don't use it as a talking point in football meetings. I want to reference um, the team meeting that has been brought up. Uh, My intent in the meeting that day was to discuss the importance of communication and being on the same page with the team. I regretted mentioning 9-11 in my message that day, and I immediately apologized to the team. Not only was 9-11 a horrific event in our country's history, but a day day that I lost a good family friend. It was mentioning 9-11 in the context of um, the team meeting that was the goal of the team meeting was about the importance of communication and being on the same page as a team. I'm not here. To- like the team of terrorists and they pulled it off unbelievably and man. And, and you guys, did, did you see the angle that the, like you're an asshole. That's what you are. Even in your apology, you know, I was talking about 9-11 in terms of the team and the awesome communication that that team of terrorists pulled off. You're justifying, dude. The team. There there is no awesomeness. There is no greatness of execution. It's ridiculous that you would bring up 9-11 to drive home the fact that great communication is possible amongst terrorism. How how are you not fired already? Sean, let me help you, dude. Let Let me make it really simple for you. Instead of coming out on the podium and saying, Man. this was the goal of the meeting and it was about team and it was about communication and, you know, I lost people on 9-11 too. Instead of talking about all that, why don't you just come out and, and, and keep it really simple? Just the same way you coach your team. Keep it simple. Hey, I should not have done what I did that day. I made a mistake and I'm really sorry for that. And and for those who I have offended with this with this mistake, I apologize. I should not have done that. And, and, and it will not happen again. I assure you of that. Yeah. I, I I'm amazed by it. yes. Lopes fan Gabe. Exactly right. Intent means nothing. You jag off. I, I mean, Correct. Like you saying my intention was to talk about the team. Yeah. And their intention was <laughs> to fly planes into a building, dude, which they thanks. did very well. And you drove that point home. Thanks, Thank you, dude. Thanks. Th- like it's, it's amazing to me. Um, you know, Sean Rollins says clearly cleaning his plate. Delaric, I was in the group he needs to go before this came out. Now he must go. How did you not fire him when this when this happened? Mm-hmm. 
You can't tell me the ownership group doesn't know That's about That's what this. I'm saying. If you're, again, not, not just Josh Allen alone, but because he's the quarterback. Like, if you're Josh Allen or any, you know, Diggs or whoever you want to point to, really any player on that roster, how are you not pissed about this? Man. How are you not just like, holy cow, like, you know, this thing got, you know, I guess covered up, if you will. It just wasn't a big story until it got brought up. And a news, uh, uh, there was coverage over this, and the story was broken this week, which is why Sean McDermott said, I'm not here to talk about the specifics of your story. Mm. It's crazy to me. Uh, Tanner Plummer, just read the exact comments from Sean. Awful look for him. D-Day would have been a better analogy for him to use. How about we stop using war and, and you know, days where thousands and tens of thousands of people lost their lives? I know. How about we don't do that? How about if you're so married to military analogies, I guess. Why don't you use one that puts us in a positive light? How about that? Just in a basic, like, I agree. Let's stop doing analogies where a ton of people die. Man. But but I just, I guess what I'm so, like, just shocked by is that you chose to talk about the terrorist when you so could have easily said, hey, on 9-11, on which I'm not advocating but for, I, but if but you're going to do it. But I think we should not talk about 9-11 at all. We shouldn't. But I We just, shouldn't talk about World War II or Pearl Harbor or, like, I don't understand it. But every year on 9-11, when, when we remember, we always talk about, and, and I think it's just, and we should, we always talk about the first responders and all the heroes of that day. The bravery. The bravery. The people the who died. I mean, you're talking about people who who got on like the firefighters got on a fire truck and drove up to uh, uh, you know a hundred story building and ran into that thing while it was going to collapse. Do you like do you understand how much courage that takes? And then the people at Ground Zero who are who are dying from cancer and who right like <laughs> it, it talk about it on nine eleven with respect and admiration for people who truly served our country that day. Sean McDermott shouldn't be the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, period. And I'm tired of talking about, because this is not, this will not be the last time this comes up. It, it just won't. You guys know, I just, I don't believe in, I don't believe in praising war efforts. I don't believe, like you look around the globe, whether it's the Gaza Strip or, you know, any, any of these war-torn countries like Ukraine. There's no winner. You, you guys understand that. There's no winner when tens of thousands of people are dead. There's no winner on, on the beaches of Normandy. Did we triumph? We did. But how many of our, of our young men did not triumph that day? There's no winner. So when you're a football coach and you're praising terrorists who killed thousands of innocent people, I don't think that you truly grasp the scope of your responsibility. Should be fired immediately. It, it's wild to me. On the spot. OG Gary, my Saints need to fire everyone and start over. Hopefully we get a top 10 pick. That's a rough sit. Derek Carr was a mistake. Derek Carr was a mistake. As Jimmy Garoppolo was a mistake in Las Vegas, Derek Carr was a mistake. And I just am, I'm amazed by it. I, I Yeah. Hmm. Um, Katie Raider gives us $9.11. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. OG Gary, who's been a member for nine okay. months oh. on the show. 
Duke ain't Utah football. Appreciate you. Thank you for being a member of the show. Gumby Fresh Out says laters. Uh, because OG Gary's got to go. See y'all later. Have a great weekend, everyone. You too, Gary. Always appreciate you being here, man. Uh, Gary Wolf, I mean, he's right. It did take a lot of planning coordination. Stop. Stop. Screw him. Screw him. I don't care what I the the terrorist to me. I'm not yeah, no, I don't think I I, I can't believe. <clears throat> I can't believe, and I rarely do this to listeners, but I can't believe you just said, hey, this dude's right. Oh, well, he is technically right. I don't care if he's right or wrong. Yeah, I That's don't not what we're discussing, sir. Yeah. We're discussing how distasteful and how disrespectful it is to do that and the fact that it, by anybody's standard, dude should be fired on the spot. No question yes, about it. Yes, to panic. Why is it just being brought up now and not when it happened? Agreed. So so that's the other thing. So the organization was like, yeah, Sean's a really good head coach, so we're not going to fire him for this, and hopefully this doesn't come out. Is that what's going on here? It's wild. Joseph Harper, there is no winner in war. No, there's not. No, there's not. Um, real quick, before we rip the Chicago Bears, it is time to give away our $100 Amazon gift card. Uh-oh. Okay. Now, we had a lot of entries. We have a lot of people playing prize picks now. I appreciate everybody who plays prize picks with us. We love it. I think I think Daily Fantasy is one of the most enjoyable parts of my day. I mm -hmm. love it. I love playing prize picks. I hate losing at prize picks like I did last night because Anthony Davis is a, is a jagoff, frankly. Um, just one three. If he makes Happen one. street clothes, Davis. Just a lay, and he misses. Jake over here texting me taunts. Oh, boy, too bad he missed that layup, huh, fat ass? Hey, bud, maybe let's not air ball from 10 feet at the elbow, dude. If that, shot had, if that shot had gone in, I win. If Giannis didn't suck at free throws, I win. But they, <laughs> he does. I didn't win. It broke my four, three or four-day winning streak on prize picks. Mm -hmm. um, I currently now have the most money in my prize picks account that I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And I haven't made a deposit in two weeks. Three weeks? No, more than that. It's already December 8th. Jeez Louise. I haven't made a uh, a deposit in my prize picks account since October. Life is good. Mm -hmm. I love it. Download the app. Use the promo code Monty to get a 100% deposit matching from prize picks. Um, or click the link in the description below. It'll embed the Monty code promo uh, in there for you so you get 100% deposit matching. Enter five, deposit $5, you get $5. Deposit $100, you get $100 at prizepicks.com. And now, I can't do it. Uh, Jake, who is our winner? Joseph Harper is our winner. Hey, Joseph. Let's go, baby. Joseph Harper. Prolific there you go. Prize picker. Congratulations, Joseph Harper. Uh, Joseph, you just won a $100 gift card. And I, I thank everybody, Harry Austin, everybody who entered. It was awesome to see. It's been awesome. A lot of people DM me for prize picks advice. Please feel free. Uh, you're better off DMing me on Instagram because I get so many DMs on That's Twitter. Cool, dude. It's why I, I just, or excuse me. X. Uh, I hate X. So I don't often get into the notifications or my DMs on X. Um, <laughs> in fact, I've not looked at my DMs on X in some time. Mm -hmm. I probably should. But yeah, if you guys want to talk prize picks, please do. Um, you're, you are very welcome to, uh, DM me. I'm happy to, uh, chat it up. So, um, congratulations to Joseph Harper, Joseph Harper. He's Please a, DM me. he's a 12er Joseph Harper. You oh, just that's won. Disappointing. It is. It is. Yeah. That's disappointing. 
If if I'd have known that, he wouldn't have won, but it's fine. Congratulations. Okay, who's somebody else that entered? Let's take the prize away from him. I'm kidding. Yeah, when I'm uh, and look at that. There he is. Joseph Harper says, thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, Hope Gino is a lifelong Seattle Seahawks quarterback for the next decade in mediocrity. That's bullshit. Um, you know. <laughs> I don't actually. I just don't like Pete Carroll. He he yeah, to me chewer. he murders bazooka bubblegum and it just. I think it's it's unnecessary. Uh, Tuesday we will give away another Amazon gift card on Giving Tuesday. Uh, I appreciate every single one of you who plays Prize Picks with us. Uh, Lopes fan Gabe, let me fix it for you. Imagine the level of communication and coordination that took place among the first responders on 9/11 to save as many lives as possible, or. Let's not reference it at That's all. Exactly what I'm saying, dude. Thank you. Precisely. Exactly Precisely. right. Precisely. Sean Rollins says, uh, let's go, Joseph Harper, who says, thank you very much. Gumby Fresh Out, prize picker greater than nose picker. Yeah, Facts. burger eaters Facts. are not generally good fantasy players. Uh, okay. Whoa, Dakota Tubbs. Uh, you want to talk about war? How about Army versus Navy? Well, there you go. Uh, James Knight, can you pass on my uh, donation to the advocates? Yes, we will, of course. Which, there it is right there. Uh, appreciate that. Yes, the advocates are trying to raise money uh, for the uh, homeless community that right now, wintertime is is brutal mm -hmm. for, for the homeless community. I'll tell you, one of the things that really struck me in Hawaii uh, when we were there a couple of weeks ago for Thanksgiving is the massive amount of people. We were on a boat on a snorkel tour. And one of the ladies was like, man, it's so cool. People just camp on the beach. And the snorkel boat guy was like, Hey, are you serious? Do you really think those people are living on the beach? Cause they're tourists and it's just fun to camp on the beach. He's like, we have an economic problem in Hawaii. Those people can't afford to live anywhere else. So they're camping on the beach, not by a choice. Like it was wild. This lady's like, Oh, it's so cool that you can just camp on the beach. <laughs> Bro, you a, a quick funny Dude. story on that. We're snorkeling, and this lady just comes flying through the water and runs into my wife head first. I'm for real. While we're snorkeling, a that's the same lady who made the. Oh, it's so cool! You can just camp on the beach. <laughs> she also turned out, unbeknownst to us to be right next to us at the resort. The room right next to us was the same lady who torpedoed us while snorkeling. Wow. Couldn't get away from her or her screaming child. Some shit happened. It was amazing. So yes, if you'd like to donate to the advocates, uh, I, I encourage you to do so. I thank you for doing so. They're great partners. They're great people. Um, again, I've known Matt Driggs for over a decade. Uh, Jen Young, who's the coordinator at, at the advocates, does a great job. Uh, when you donate to the advocates on Venmo, Jen runs that account. She takes all those proceeds and buys the coats, jackets, blankets, gives them to the road home to distribute. Like, I mean, they go out of their way to put money in our communities. It's just another reason that when you need an attorney, when you've been injured in a car accident, a motorcycle accident, bicycles, workplace injuries, get to theadvocates.com. They're never going to ask you to reach in your pocket and pay them. That's not the way they do business because they understand that most people cannot do that, especially when you've been hurt at work or in a car accident or a trip and fall, whatever it is, the advocates at theadvocates.com or much like James Knight, if you'd like to donate through the tip jar on this show, we'll, we'll forward that to the advocates. So thank you for that. Uh, what do you guys think the Bears should do uh, with Justin Fields? Because I think this is a really interesting conundrum 
that we in Chicago find ourselves in. Justin Fields, is Justin Fields a terrible quarterback? My opinion is of Justin Fields, he's a victim of circumstance. I look at C.J. Stroud, I look at Mitch Trubisky, I look at Patrick Mahomes. If any of them had been drafted by the Chicago Bears, I think they all would have been abject failures, and that includes Patrick Mahomes. I think the Bears don't develop quarterbacks. I think they don't have an organization or a system in place to do so. And now here we are talking about another bust of a quarterback in Justin Fields, who I'd remind you his last trip out averaged 0.8 yards per attempt. Um, And that's not his fault. I think that this offense with Luke Getze as the offensive coordinator is, to quote Coach Hardy with the Utah Jazz, it's dog shit. It's mm-hmm. a terrible offense. They're not good at play calling. They're not that was good a at- masterpiece of dog shit. It just was. And that's who the Chicago Bears are. So the question now becomes, is there a better quarterback in this draft than Justin Fields? I got news for you. There's not. And I understand that Caleb Williams is a phenomenal talent. I understand that Marvin Harrison Jr., who can we stop talking about Marv going back to Ohio State? He's not giving up a $35 million contract. Caleb Williams, Drake May, who's now saying he's thinking about it. No, you're not. I understand NIL money's prolific. You're not giving up $35 million of an NFL contract, and you're certainly not going to go and push off your second NFL contract by another year so that you can hang out with chicks in a hot tub in SC. They're not going back. My point is, I hope you don't get drafted by the Bears. And here's the biggest problem. Does drafting Caleb Williams solve what ails the Chicago Bears offense? Absolutely, it does not. Does trading Justin Fields fix your quarterback situation in Chicago? Absolutely, it does not. Because you're not going to draft a quarterback who's going to be better than Justin Fields. You're not doing that. The truth about the Chicago Bears, now and in the history of this organization, they don't draft quarterbacks that grow into NFL superstars. They simply do not. They draft guys who go on to be mid-level quarterbacks and backups across the league, Rex Grossman. That's what they do. It was on full display in Pittsburgh last night when the Steelers found another way to lose a game because, let's be honest, Mitch Trubisky's a poorly coached quarterback, which he was in Chicago as well. It's not the quarterback's fault. It's the Chicago Bears' fault. They're better off trading Justin Fields and signing Kirk Cousins. They're better off trading Justin Fields and getting a mediocre veteran quarterback because that's what you would get by paying a rookie. Thanks. Justin Fields is not the problem in Chicago, Jake. It's the Chicago Bears. Completely agree. And I think that, you know, Justin Fields is somebody who who we've not seen all the talent yet i i think that justin fields just simply needs development man he just needs someone to 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 show him you know how exactly balanced offense works because i don't even think in chicago you have balanced offense i i i I think i i think they think it's cool to run all this stuff in the flat and then you know try to run play action off of that and then you know they're surprised when you know, the defense uh, of the opposition's running cover two the whole game and you can't get anything downfield. Well, why would they why why would they change? Why would they play man across the board if you're never throwing 
deep balls. Like why, like why would they do that? They don't need to do that. They don't, they don't need to stretch the defense. They don't like, they don't need to do any of that, man. And that's why I say Justin Fields has shown flashes of, of, Hey, I can, I can rocket this thing down the seam 50 yards. I can do that. And I can hit a guy in stride, but they're not giving them the opportunity. And this is, this is my biggest thing. You're not going to change the way, you know, the Luke Getzies of the world call offense. But here's the thing I would say is that, is that if you are, if you know that your chances of winning a football game aren't great either way, and we all agree they're not great either way, why would you not at least allow the kid to showcase what he's capable of? Why not say, yeah. okay, hey, if we're, you know, if we're down, you know, three scores, let's say in a game to a really good team. Let's let this guy cut it loose. Let's let him show off what he's capable of. Because everyone in Chicago is like, oh, well, he's way better running. He's way better rolling out to his right as a right-handed quarterback. You know, get this guy running, and all of a sudden, he can play better. But the reality of the situation is, is that .8 average has nothing to do with his arm or his football IQ or his talent. That's just a bad play call. The defense knows that's coming. So that's why I say you can go out and get Caleb Williams if you want to, but that's not going to do anything for you. And and I look across the league, and whether it's the Bears or the Jets or any organization that's struggling for a quarterback, the 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 recipe for success is right in front of you. It's developing the guy you have. The, the Cardinals are suffering from this. The Texans are doing the exact opposite. They're thriving from it. You drafted C.J. Stroud. You developed C.J. Stroud. And this guy's just come in and taken the rookie of the year by the horns. So that's why I say maybe it's not a Justin Fields issue. Maybe it's a front office head coaching issue. Yeah. And maybe the ownership in Chicago should prioritize uh, better front office personnel. And it's why I say, like, uh, I look at the offensive coaches that are available. Uh, will they fire Matt Eberflus? I can only hope. I mean, how many organizations are going to have the top pick in the NFL draft multiple years? Are you really telling me for a second year in a row you're going to trade the top pick? That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Are you really telling me that you're not going to, with this number one pick, draft the best uh, offensive player you can get your hands on? My, my doubts are high that they will execute this at a, at a high level. And whether it's Poles, the general manager, or Eberflus, the head coach, it's time to move on. And and I think when you have guys like Ben Johnson in Detroit, Brian Johnson in, in Philadelphia, Brian Johnson would probably be my choice. Mm -hmm. um, I think what Brian's done with that Philadelphia Eagles offense and the development of Jalen Hurts, who credits Brian Johnson with a lot of his growth and development. Uh, I'm not an Eric Bieniemy guy. I think Eric Bieniemy has shown that that very much he was a product of Andy Reid's play calling. I think the commander's offense has not gotten better. And I look at where the Bears are. You don't need a questionable hire. You need a guy that's got a proven track record in development, and that'd be Brian Johnson in Philadelphia. And I think, you know, you, you look at some of the other names, uh, uh, Kellen Moore, sure. But I'm not sure that I, I'm ready to do that. I, I also am not a Dan Quinn guy for the Bears because we have a phenomenal defensive coordinator as our head coach in Chicago now, and it hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. In this day and age in the NFL, you've got to have one of the top offensive minds as your head coach. Because if, if if you don't, I think you're going to struggle. And if you're going to hire a Dan Campbell, what did Dan Campbell do? 
he surrounded himself with a uh, himself with a phenomenal staff. Yeah, Dan Campbell just said, "Hey, like I know that I'm not some offensive wizard, but I know that I have a lot of fire in me. I know I've got a lot of passion for this game and I can I can bring a group of men together. So all I need to do is go out and get a good offensive staff put together and we're going to be in a great place." And again, everybody criticized him for it. But the the Jared Goff move has paid dividends for them. And, and not because Jared is, you know, somehow the best quarterback in the league or, you know, is just incredible. But but what is he? He's reliable. He can go out and do what you need him to do to have success. And that's what I think NFL organizations don't put enough of a premium on. You don't need Patrick Mahomes in your in your organization to go out and win. But you do need a guy back there that can run the offense and have a grip and lead the team a little bit and like be productive because defenses are not so inclined to go out and throw their body around when they know they're losing by 20 anyway. And I look at Mike McDaniel, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins and the, the history that he has, it's not dissimilar to Brian Johnson and Ben Johnson. And I, I would be, I mean, I probably would lean Brian Johnson, but if you hired Ben Johnson, you're certainly not going to struggle. Um, that's what I would, if I were the Bears, I would fire Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles, the general manager, and I would absolutely clean house. Mm -hmm. And I think, I hope that's what Kevin Warren's going to do, but we'll find out. Uh, Delaric Fields needs to leave for his own good, and he needs to go back up Rodgers or Russell for a bit to rest his career. I think he's going to be a serviceable quarterback. He has the the talent and the potential to be a superstar in this league, but you've got to put him in an offensive system. You cannot have him be at the behest of a defensive head coach. It's just not the way this league is built Justin now. Fields can do everything that G.J. Stroud is doing, just so we're all clear. He's got a big arm. He's very athletic. He's a much He's better smart, runner. Right? He's a better runner. Like, He's got the skill set. That's what it's, I'm saying. It's not him. It's the it is the Dan Orlovsky comparison. Justin Fields versus Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. And Justin Fields is a better thrower of the football mm -hmm. by far. But they don't allow him to do that because they don't trust him because he doesn't trust them. And it's why he had to come out and apologize when he ripped the coaching staff for talking in his helmet too much. That's just the culture in Chicago, man. And if Kevin Warren doesn't change that, it's always going to be the culture in in, in Chicago. But uh, the silver lining is Kevin Warren has shown an ability to make changes. And he has talked about making changes 100%. Tanner Plummer, the kicker for the Bears is coaching. What do you mean the kicker for the Bears is coaching? Uh, they've got to get a brilliant offensive mind in the building. Eric Bieniemy comes to mind. Yeah, I'm just not a Bieniemy guy. There's too many red flags. There's too many stories. There's too many mediocre, mediocre quarterback performances in Washington. I don't know. I think he he's going to be a head coach. I think he needs a home run. Speaking of which, I can't wait for catchers and pitchers to report in Florida. Me too. Me too. Me And the Cubs will not get any of the preeminent free agents. They won't. I'm telling you. You, you think Shohei Otani is out here talking about changing his number so he can be a Dodger because he wants to be a Cub? No. <laughs> no. No, friends, he's not. And there's some belief. Didn't you say um, somebody was reporting that Shoei Otani was going to announce his decision today? Yeah, John Morosi was saying that Otani's decision is imminent and you can expect a decision as soon as today. He's going to the Dodgers. 
Uh, why wouldn't why you? Why wouldn't you? Why dude? wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, Delaric, if if I was a top QB coming out this year, would pull an Eli or an Elway if it looked like I was going to the Bears? I think it's tough to do that in this day and age. I think it's very tough to do that. Tanner, uh, this year, Brian Johnson has been up and down as the OC. Most recently, he's been down. I completely disagree. I think that their offense is certainly top five. Um, I think that the only thing I care about is developing your talent and cohesion. Play calling is always going to be up and down. Some plays are going to work. Some plays are not. They have the right call at the right time most of the time. Mm -hmm. And I think Jalen Hurts executing at the level that he is executing and the, the rise in his detail that we have seen since Brian Johnson became the quarterback coach, now the offensive coordinator, I think tells you that his offense works and players buy in and they understand the language. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're never going to be a hundred percent, whether you're, who's the best offensive mind in the NFL, probably Andy Reid, um, Sean McDermott, or like any of the best offensive or defensive minds, you're never going to be a hundred percent on your play calling. And you are going to put yourself in bad positions because a play you called didn't work. Correct. But when you're, when your players are in on the system and they buy into the play call, because you built a relationship with them through training camp and the off season and into the season and the games and the grind. That to me is where Brian Johnson is. And I think he would, I think he would be phenomenal. The eye patch, Brian Johnson, go Utes. Yes. Former Utah man, Tanner, Brian Johnson would probably be an elite QB coach for fields, but the jury is still out about him as an OC. I, again, I totally disagree. I think their issues have been, I think injuries, obviously, I think the lack of cohesion on defense, um, I think some of the, you know, I, I wonder about things like Lane Johnson, that false start with Lane Johnson last week where he was a full beat ahead of the quarterback. Right. That's going to happen. They've had those things happen at the wrong time more this year than at any time. I also think Sirianni's an interesting guy. I, I think I, I, there, are, unique. there are always rumblings that he loses guys for weeks at a time because he's he's a weirdo. There, there's no other way to, uh, to put that. But I think you look at the, the offensive rankings and you look at where, like if, if we look at completion percentage, I mean, obviously the elite quarterbacks this year are going to be Dak and Tua, who are both at 70%. Mm -hmm. But you look at where, where, you know, the Eagles are at 66%. That's massive. It you again, Ben Johnson, 67% in Detroit. It's a massive jump for them. Um, you look at Brock Purdy at 69. It, like you can see the offenses that execute. And you look at the 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 quarterback ratings, or you look at first down percentages, or like I'm just telling you, the Eagles offense is not going to be the, the reason that they don't win again if they don't win again. If they don't go to the NFC Championship and back to the Super Bowl, it's not going to be because, oh, man, they're terrible. Or, I mean, I, I just, I I think if you look at teams like the Bills, why are the Bills struggling? Because they don't have an identity on offense. 
and now they're distracted. You don't know what you you don't know play in and play out what's coming on offense. Well, we fired the offensive coordinator. Did it get better? It did not get better. It did not, and it's not gonna, right? But the one thing you understand is you have a good offensive line there. You have an elite quarterback there. And I think the turnovers in Buffalo are a product of a lack of consistency and cohesion on offense. And I think you ask him to do far too much. Mm. I think it's a coaching problem. I think I look at the best offense, in my opinion, is, is still Kansas City. The quarterback doesn't get stacked much. They executed a very high level, and the play call is almost always right at the right place at the right time. And Kansas City's problem is they're just a little lackadaisical right now. They're assuming they're going to go out and just win these games because they do, and they haven't been. And I think, I think, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I look at some of the, I look at some of the important numbers in the in the NFL, and I think your your best stories are always teams that that execute in the in the big moments. And the Eagles have shown a propensity to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the Dallas Cowboys this weekend, and I think this is a huge moment for both of these quarterbacks. This is a huge moment for both of these teams. How healthy is, is Jalen? That's an interesting question. Because you're going to Dallas, and they don't lose at home this year. Dallas is very good in Tarrant County. So I'll be really interested to see how all that plays out. But you know, it, it'll, yeah, we'll see. Speak of the devil. We're talking about the Bears. Front office sports just put out an article that says the Chicago Bears have received inbound interest for a future stadium from the city of Chicago, of course. Arlington Heights, Aurora, Naperville, Richton Park, Waukegan, and Country Club Hills. A new area of focus a parking lot south of Soldier Field. Which is where this should have been because that's where it started. Mm-hmm. That's where this should have been the entire time. That The Bears, I agree, need a new stadium. They need a larger footprint. They need the ability to generate more revenue. It's not in Arlington Heights. Trust me, I lived in Waukegan. It's a shithole. <laughs> it's not Waukegan, right? Like, what do we... The Bears belong on the, on the lakefront. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, I, I, that's just my opinion. I, I'm so tired of hearing about racetracks and <laughs> horse manure. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I, this team is so frustrating to me. And you know, like I look at what the elite teams in the NFC are doing. The 49ers have a really good facility and infrastructure. The Eagles have a really good facility and infrastructure. Uh, you have a committed owner. You have a good GM that goes out and, I mean, you look at the moves like the Eagles have made. Like you add the the players on defense and then you look at A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. And I, I, I mean, you, you look at, like just looking at their production defensively, I mean, their, their ability to maintenance Fletcher Cox has been because he continues to perform. Mm-hmm. And I, that like everybody gets excited about Jalen Carter. I'm excited that Fletcher Cox is available to you in big games and big moments, and he's putting up sacks against the 49ers. And that's a guy that can mentor Jalen. You know, that's a guy that, that's been there and done that. Yeah, I, I, I think guys like Hassan Reddick, Jalen Carter, like they're adding talent consistently over – can Shaq Leonard stay healthy? We're going to find out, but hasn't to this point. He what he shows you over the Cowboys. I mean, that's what the Bears don't do. 
The Bears do not. Nobody's choosing the Bears. Mm -hmm. Nobody's choosing the Bears. And it it just, for my money, it, it is... It is, in in my mind, the Bears are at a tipping point. The Bears are at a tipping point. You don't have, you know, like, again, I look at the situation in Philadelphia, and I look at I look at Brian Johnson and, and, and Jalen Hurts, and you look at, you look at the relationship that those two have. If Justin Fields had that relationship with Luke Getze, you know, like if, if Justin Fields walked up to the line and changed a play, Luke Getzey would lose his ever-loving mind, right? But if if you look at Brian Johnson, Brian Johnson is routinely, and I wouldn't say regularly, but as a matter of routine, because the way their offense in Philadelphia has functioned, he's getting two calls. He routinely has the ability to pick those two calls and change the play. And I, I I think there is a level of respect between those two that does not exist in shitty quarterback situations like the Chicago Bears. Well, the difference is is that is that you're allowing one guy to go out and play the game the best way that he can. You're allowing him to make the decisions that he thinks he should make and play the game the way he thinks he should play it based on what you've worked on all week versus going out and telling a guy how to play the game and making him follow you uh, and really taking out that self-development piece. And I think that's the thing that, that, that great yes. offensive coordinators do that mediocre ones don't. I, you know, again, it's what I just said The the mindset in Chicago shouldn't be my God, we got to win as many games as possible. No. Yeah, of course you're trying to win, but that's not where you are. The mindset needs to be, Hey, while we're down, while we're not a playoff team, Every single week, our win is developing Justin Fields. So part of that development, in my opinion, having watched him and knowing where that skill set is at, is you need to do exactly what you were just talking about. Give him the play call, or if it's a double play call setup where you allow him to choose, do that. Let him go and lay his foundation. Hey, if he's good enough, he'll choose, he'll choose the proper play, and he'll go out and execute that play. Damn well knowing what you've prepared for him in film the whole week, knowing what you've done in practice. Like, you got to allow guys to go and do that. You have to allow guys to make mistakes. Yes. Growth comes from pain. And right now, Justin Fields is not allowed to, to make mistakes. He's, he's not somebody that is given the trust and confidence of his offensive coordinator. And, I, and, and again, I just go back to Kansas City. Like, you guys look at Kansas City. Do you have a receiver that Patrick Mahomes trusts? Well, Not with one. all those drops, right? Like, I, I think you look at the drops in Kansas City, and if I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm losing my mind, bro. Like, I, I don't know. Again, I just continue to ask. I just continue to ask. If you're Andy Reid, how do you fix drops? Because I, I, I honestly, looking at their their drop numbers, I'd be pulling my hair out. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, to well, lose cost you wins. There's no question to lose that game in green Bay. It is unforgivable. It's, it's unforgivable. And you look at, you look at their depth chart and you look at their, their productive, their productivity numbers. They arguably do not have outside of Travis Kelsey. Like you don't have a guy 
you know, whether it's it's MVS or Rice, Watson, Gray, like you don't have a guy who with a multitude of targets has really produced at a high level. Well, and I think that's your most important point. Look at Travis Kelsey's targets because this is another problem for them. Travis Kelsey isn't exactly getting a ton of targets because of what the defense is doing to him. So let me get this right. Your most trusted and most reliable receiver, Travis Kelsey, is now being taken away from you because the defense knows that, and the defense doesn't have to respect the guy that used to be there in the Cheetah. He's gone. So we can we can double cover Travis the whole game, and we know the other guys are going to be drop city. So my point is, is that Kansas City's done so much winning at this point that they're that squad that's just kind of going through the season. They're that team that's like, all right, when do the playoffs start, dude? When do the playoffs start? And as a result of that, guys are dropping more balls. There's 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 not as much dominance happening. They're just trying to autopilot into the playoffs. And I think that's why I say there is breathing room in the AFC. There is opportunity, in my opinion. But ultimately, it's their conference until it's not. I think with the exception of... Denver, and there was even a bad – Rice, I think Rice had a bad drop in there. I think they'd be a two-loss team because I'm not taking a loss away at Philadelphia, but I'm willing to say they would have beaten Green Bay if they'd have caught the football. Mm -hmm. And they would have beaten – I don't think – they just did not play well against Denver. I think they would have lost to Philadelphia – hell, they'd have beat Detroit week one. I think we all remember that. Like I. That would drive me crazy. Right. But Patrick Mahomes isn't pa panicking. Andy Reid's not panicking. Uh, it, yeah. Anyway, we'll see. Let's get your comments in here. Brandon uh, Butler, come on, Monty. You don't want them to build over Six Flags, Great American, Waukegan? The Eagles, a great roller coaster. It needs to go away. <laughs> but not for the Chicago Bears, right? It, it, it's not. Uh, Dakota Tubbs, the Chiefs could easily be undefeated if their receivers would just go do what they're paid to do. Highest amount of drops in the league, if I'm not mistaken. I think they'd have one or two losses. And they, I, they'd be right where they always are. And again, Bill Belichick, I ask you, how do you not have more weapons for Patrick Mahomes? And yeah, I wonder, how much do they regret the Tyreek Hill trade? Eh, there were some culture issues there. He was problematic. And you're still competitive without him. Like, you're still right where you typically are without him. Yeah, Marcus, I don't know if they regret that trade. I don't think they do. I just, I seriously don't think they I do. Because I don't think that the issues this year are a Tyreek Hill problem. It's not a Tyreek Hill issue. Now, when you had Tyreek, did that create a lot of opportunities for a lot of other guys? Well, absolutely, of course. But but Tyreek was always going to go out and get paid. So you knew that the, the roster you had where you had Tyreek and Travis Kelsey yeah. and then all these secondary names was always going to change at some point. You knew that was a limited time offer, if you will. So, so this is not, this is not about them regretting the Tyree kill trade. I, I think this is about them regretting, not building more depth into their roster. I mean, you have to have guys who can catch the football, man. And, and, and I get it. They've got names who have been generally speaking reliable, but you're only as good as what you did for me last week. And when the ball's going through your hands, it's just not good enough. It is simply not good enough because, again, if you're not going to do anything about this before the trade deadline, then when you get to, let's say, the AFC divisional round, are you going to lose that game because dude couldn't catch the football? Like, 
the 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 that takes you right down a negative path, man. And you can't have that. You cannot have that happen. Mm, how about a little breaking Utah Utes news? Cole Bishop is going to the NFL draft. Good for him. I'm curious how that plays out for Cole Bishop. Uh, 18 minutes ago, uh, Cole Bishop said uh, to my teammates, uh, going to battle with you is something I'll always remember. Coach Scally, from the first day you've taken me under your wing and have been instrumental in my development and success as a football player, as a man, as I begin my journey to fulfill my dream of playing in the NFL, I want to thank my family, teammates, coaches, and fans for their support during my time at Utah. As always, go Utes. Well, that's a big one. Yeah, he'll get drafted, no doubt. You think? Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. Boy, I'm surprised that he, I would think he would have stayed one more year. That's really interesting. He's a hell of a football player. I am a huge Cole Bishop fan. Uh, and I'm curious. I'm curious, what does he do? And how does that work? How does he? Hmm. Any concern for the Utes as they go to the Big 12? Because they well, have lost some talent. Yeah, but that's every year. You lose a yeah, lot of talent that, every we year. We say that like just, okay, great. That's every year. But you're not Deion Sanders. You're not some prolific portal guy. Kyle Whittingham is not some savant in the portal. Well, we're going to find out. I mean, they have big needs. They have big, big needs. And I think when you look at um, when you look at what Cole Bishop means to that defense at Utah, he was a big time dude back there. Leader. And I think it is, it's going to be deliver. It, it's going to be, you've got to deliver a replacement. He, he, but that's every single year. That's Kyle Whittingham's job is recruit, develop, and win games. And that, that's not going to change. I mean, I guess it makes you feel better that he's a defensive guy and they're always, you know, beefy on the defense. I mean, I I, I at least can say that. But I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, for that I feel good about Wit replacing that kind of talent. I mean, dude, he was – Cole Bishop was prolific on that defense. I mean, I'm talking about when he's not playing, they're a different defense. That's how much he mattered to them. Oh, I, I agree 100%. And – just looking at, man, just looking at the way that that team was built. He, I mean, he was such a big performer for them. He had a great career at Utah. I think he's going. He, he's an NFL body. There's no doubt about that. I think he's an NFL player. Um, he, he's going to have to land in the right position. But I look at the, I look at the guys in the portal. They don't have, you know, they. I don't think they have huge guys. Um. You know, like a guy like a Bryson Barnes who says he's going to play in the bowl game. He's in the portal. Nate Johnson, eh, who cares? Right. Uh, Makai Cope, is that really that big of a deal? Uh, Mark Smedlock, Matthews, Broughton. Like, I, I mean, they don't have, they don't have, in my opinion, end of the world stuff. Like, I mean, I'm far more worried about Lander Barton being healthy and Logan Fano keeping his knees in, in shape. For real. Right? Those yeah. two guys are massive. You know, like I, I look at, uh, Devon Vele is Devon Vele going to the going to the league? Is he going to come back? Like, you know, like what about Baki? How healthy is he? You know, like I I think those are the bigger issues for Utah. I think Cole Bishop is irreplaceable, but that's your job is to replace the irreplaceable, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, 
I, I don't think that you are, I don't think that you're somebody that you're losing a ton of dudes. Like I look at some of these names in the transfer portal and I think there are major issues like at USC, Michael Jackson's in the transfer portal, Rayleigh Brown's in the transfer portal. Those are two big offensive contributors. Um, you know, Darwin Barlow is in the transfer portal. Um, I think that's huge. And I think you look at some of these guys, Caleb Williams is not going to play in the bowl game. Um, I think that Malachi Nelson's not going to play, uh, is, is going to play in the bowl game. I think that's big for them, but I, I just don't know. I don't know what you do if, if you are, if you're not out there working the portal, I don't mm -hmm. like Dabo Sweeney talked about how broken the portal system is. And again, I just say, no, they the portal system's not broken, sir. You are. If you are not leveraging the transfer portal, I don't know what you do. And so that's why I say, you know, Witt's been a guy that's, you know, definitely been slower to to adapt to the new world that is the transfer portal in NIL. And in Utah, as a school, obviously still has work to do on the NIL front. And the truck thing for everybody was cool, but we haven't, there hasn't really been even a sniff of another thing it's all just been you know kind of guys like cam rising getting their own personal nil stuff set up and that's great but yeah. i just you know i just i just think about losing guys like cole bishop and and i don't think that you just go out and replace guys like that now you can go out and get a four star and develop them and, and he'll turn into that under kyle whittingham into the defense but again just like we said with byu going to the big 12 this is utah's first year going to the big 12 so this is not just like hey we can just kind of cruise in here you know, I, 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 you're going to need depth to survive in the big Twelve. Look at K state. Correct. What do you, what do you say to K state? Absolutely. Cause you're losing Cooper BB and Ben Sinnott. that, I mean that you can just write that down on top of Will Howard, uh, Treshawn Ward, I think is a massive loss. Um, you know, you, you look at, you look at the guys that they've lost. Will Lee's a huge loss for K state. Oh, did I mention Colin Klein, um, is now at Texas A&M. Like you lost the foundation of your offense from this past season. That's not where Utah's at. I think it's going to be very interesting. Very, very interesting to see what 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 they do and how they and and, and how they how this plays out. Um, because I don't I don't know what you do. Are you Gunner Gundy who's in the portal when your dad's the head coach? I think you don't have those situations mainly because you don't have quarterbacks at Utah. That's not really the point of this discussion. My point is I'm bitter about that. I am. Uh, James says, Coach Whittingham is one of the best in college football. Rice Eccles has a great home field advantage. Utah be a contender right away in the Big 12. Yay! Where's the video on Rice Eccles Stadium? Yeah, dude, I, new I mean, videos. What are we doing? Uh, <laughs> James has a YouTube channel where he puts out videos. Hi, this is James. Welcome back. Stadiums and food at stadiums. I still can't believe you didn't take your wife to Tarrant County. Uh, the eye patch, 2023 Utes decimated by injuries, 24 Utes decimated by transfer portal and NFL. And I wouldn't are say they decimated? decimated, dude? They're not decimated. How are I, they decimated? I, I think that I, I think that you, it'll just be interesting to see, you know, how Kyle Whittingham uses the portal to build the roster because he does need to do that. Uh, you know, traditional recruiting is no longer going to get it done. You you have to go out and and find ways, but I think the struggle for Wit also, and Wit has hinted at this many times in the past, is that Utah's NIL 
philosophy is not exactly helping him in the portal. That's the other thing that not a lot of people in Salt Lake want to talk about. That's great. You did a, a deal with Ken Garf. That's cool. And I have no problem with Ken Garf. But the point is, is that is that you you have your reputation has to precede you. So you have to be able to say in the portal without saying it, hey, we do a lot of NIL business. Well, what do you mean? Where's like who on your roster is getting paid? Well, Cam's getting paid. I'm sure Brant Keithy's getting paid. But is there another name on that roster where you're like, damn, dude's getting paid? Not really. I, I, and at Utah, I think the only question is Jonah Ellis. I mean, does he come back or does he? I go to the NFL. I think as a defender out of Utah, if you can get to the NFL, you should do that as soon as you can do that because they put dudes in the NFL routinely. Uh, the Monty Show presented by Bucked Up Energy, buckedup.com. Woo, flying through two hours thanks to uh, Bucked Up. That's a I hate you with a buckshot. Yeah, I'm too busy watching Pat McAfee ruin his show with technical errors, which is why I threw a buckshot at you. Jesus, that hurt a little bit, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe be, take be it easy on me. Lift some weights. You know, take it easy. You're two feet away, and you're like, you know, full on. Well, you're chucking. locked on the TV, man. Anyway, I'm an asshole. Uh, the point is, the point is, <laughs> Pat, Pat McAfee is having major is having major technical difficulties. Do you, what do you guys buy into this Pat McAfee stuff at ESPN? Because there's a new one today after I tell you about Bucked Up, buckedup.com. Uh, get your buckshot and you can throw it at, at your friends as well. Um, because it's, it's, very, it's very aerodynamic, especially when they're full. So when you throw it at your friends, what happens is, <laughs> I'm going to throw a full one at you. Uh, buckshot's great. And it gives you a lot of energy. I'm telling you, it gives you me a mental edge. I, and I'm not even exaggerating that when you use buckshot, you get a mental edge. I, I, I am all in on that. And again, I, I just look at the, I look at the ingredients list, um, at bucked up. And I tell you that they use the best ingredients on their stuff. And it, it, it just, it just goes to show you that when you trust bucked up, and when you use bucked up and you say to yourself, hey man, are am I getting am I getting natural ingredients? Well, yeah, you absolutely are. Here's what's in buckshot. And I think this is an important thing. One, dudes, you got to read the labels on stuff. But two, when I say natural caffeine, 200 milligrams, green tea leaf extract, you're not getting chemicals to produce a reaction as though it were caffeine. You're getting naturally sourced caffeine. You're getting vitamin B12, magnesium. Uh, alpha sized alpha. Um, you're getting all kinds of brain food, man, that allows you to operate at a much higher level. And that's what you can expect from Bucked Up. All of their products have the best ingredients to make the best product that does exactly what it says it's going to do. Hook it up at buckedup.com. Use the uh, promo code Monty to get 20% off at checkout. Michael Parks says, drink water. Be better. You, you're new to the show very clearly because all we do on the show is drink water. And if it was as easy as well, everybody who is uh, feeling a little tired, didn't sleep well last night and they have a huge sales meeting today, drink water. It'll give you energy. Well, yeah, it actually doesn't work that way. It, but thanks for being a, thanks for being a uh, yeah, non-contributing non member of the show. Marcus Emmert, uh, sounds like Pat McAfee and team could use some bucked up to get focused. That's what I'm saying, dude. It's pretty wild to me that here we sit, and I think this is going to be the third day in a row 
where there is a Pat McAfee controversy at ESPN. So, you know, for the last week, Pat McAfee has been um, at ESPN Seaport Studio doing his show. His entire crew has been there. And what's crazy is, is that you have a thing where Pat McAfee is on the grounds at ESPN, right? And you have Aaron Rodgers, as we played the other day, ripping ESPN while on Pat McAfee's show in the ESPN studios, ripping them. And then you have Pat McAfee going on first take and ripping his fellow ESPN employees. Were you using the stick, Mike? Yeah, well, the thing about it is uh, when you wear tank tops like uh, an asshole, uh, it's hard to put the lav mics on, especially yeah. when you wear two chains. So it's been quite a task for the people here at Seaport. Yeah. It has been an honor to be in the same building that you guys are in. And also, you guys should see this set. It is gorgeous. Stephen A. deserves it, obviously. The the temperature is perfect. And Unk is about three times bigger than you think he is. This dude is an absolute beast. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for the hospitality. And the Georgia fans, uh, you know. Well, there was a whole thing you said out of memory. They did not love it. you got to remember, the whole narrative all year uh, was that because my show came to ESPN, obviously we fired Steve Young. We fired all the people that were here and were great people at ESPN. It was my show's fault. And then on game day, David Pollock got let go. David Pollock, who I am a massive fan of, yeah, one of the greatest yeah. Bulldogs of all time, a dude who was very good to me. Obviously, I took his spot. So Georgia fans all year, not necessarily the biggest McAfee fans. Now, with that being said, I was very nice to them. I was very cordial to them. But in the biggest moment in front of them all, it was a nice little reminder that, hey, yeah, you can go to hell too. What you say? Oh, you You know, and then Alabama wins that. That's a huge ordeal. It's always better that way. Because Georgia wins that, I have to live with that forever. But it's only one big, it's only one big man. It's very, cathartic. Awesome. it's very cathartic to tell people to go to hell. It's a very okay, guys. Well, it's kind okay. of my life. Okay, guys. It's kind of my life now. Hey, morning show. Well, yeah, you're right. Let's keep it together. You're right. We're good. We're good. Dude, what are we doing? Like, it is, it is crazy to me. So, if you don't know the context of that, Pat McAfee is not popular amongst his ESPN teammates. He, there is allegedly controversy behind the scenes where there is a level of frustration that Pat wears tank tops, that Pat attacks Washington State on game day, that Pat puts Aaron Rodgers on to rip uh, Adam Schefter every chance he gets and talk about vaccines. And it's clearly throwing smoke at ESPN. And Pat does that routinely. The asshole comment is because behind the scenes, it was allegedly talked about Pat McAfee and a, a fellow ESPN employee called him an asshole because he refused to not wear tank tops. And the issue also has been that the audio quality on the Pat McAfee show struggles a lot, frankly. They have technical difficulties on a regular basis, just like today. They're live at Army Navy. Their show keeps dropping, right? There's frustration over that. And Pat refuses to wear a microphone, a lav mic, a clip-on microphone, like everybody else in the world. He wants to use a handheld microphone. And it frustrates people that technically his show is not great. And they have transmission issues constantly. And it's because he does his show in Indianapolis and he won't move to Bristol. And he did replace David Pollock. 
and then goes on first take and talks about how he replaced David Pollock and how all these people got fired. And I just don't understand the constant poking of the bear by Pat McAfee. It gets tiring. And, and I think that, you know, Pat, I, I think we're graduating from Pat just likes himself. I, I, I When I see clips like that, you know, it, it, it kind of sends a message that Pat is is looking to stick it to you. It's not just, oh, I think I'm the best, and, you know, sometimes I talk about that or whatever, or I have this arrogance. Pat is taking it a step further than that, in my opinion, and, and, and you know, saying, hey, yeah, I did take Pollock's job, and I love Pollock. I'm a huge Pollock guy, but I took his job, and all the Georgia fans can go to hell. Like, you just don't. You don't do yes. that. And I think, and I've said this really from the beginning with Pat and the ESPN thing, Pat is not a polished sports talk person. He's not. And it's part of what makes him great. It is. And I think that's the struggle for ESPN. Like right now, Pat is doing his show on location at Army Navy in the tank top, and he looks cold. I got to tell you, he, he looks does cold. look cold. There's a breeze there. Their camera's been shaking from the breeze just slightly. Enough Everybody else it. is wearing jackets and hats. Like, he looks cold. Like, and, and so I understand that the tank top thing is a shtick on the show. But, dude, put a jacket on, guy. Like, just, I, I, I don't know. I We've always been a little split on this. I agree. Pat is the face of sports talk right now. I don't even think that's really in dispute. But I'm not sure that that's a good thing for the industry. I'm not sure that that's a good thing for, honestly, even for ESPN, because ESPN made the mistake of doing a licensing deal with Pat because they were so desperate to have him. Like, understand, Pat refused to be an employee, right? Like, ESPN wasn't going to employ Pat. ESPN is doing a licensing deal that's kind of a hybrid, and they bring Pat in to do a bunch of different things, yes. which is why we have clips of Pat McAfee on first take making it awkward. And so I just... There's I, zero content editorial ability from ESPN towards Pat McAfee. He controls all of the content on his show. It's why he curses on his show, on ESPN. No, it doesn't make Pat stupid. I think people, people overvalue that. But it's why he does that. Nobody else on ESPN curses, but Pat can because they can't tell him not to. And I think it's very difficult for for people at ESPN to digest that. And I think him just constantly tweaking and poking and referencing the guys that they fired to hire him, I just think it's foolish because at some point that's going to come back to get you. Absolutely. And I don't know why he continues to do it. It's perplexing to me. And I don't know why, like, I just don't understand why ESPN thought it would be a good idea to, to bring him in. Uh, like on set. I mean, you know what that like, it's a fool me once, fool me five times thing. You know who the guy is. You know he's going to bring A-Rodge on. And that's cool that you wanted Aaron Rodgers, I guess, in studio. I guess that's what you wanted at ESPN. But my question for folks at ESPN is, and specifically the brass, is you can't have it both ways. You can't, on one hand, have an issue with the guy, but then on the other hand, you know, make all this money off of, off of his issues. So you're complaining on one hand, but on the back of your hand, you're bringing in the profits. So which is it? Like yeah. you at some point have to be okay with it, I guess. I, I don't know, man. It just is like right now he's got John Rahm on his show talking about live and, 
And that's great. That's the power that Pat has. And that's the power that the relationship. That's the power that ESPN has. John Rahm is doing, John's been on 10 talk shows already this morning. So he's doing the media tours today. I think there's a lot of people at ESPN who would rather have him on Scott Van Pelt's Sports Center than have him on Pat McAfee's show. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, Pat McAfee's trying to interview John Rahm and the show drops. And it's like, okay. Well, I guess we're not going to get a good interview from Pat McAfee. It's That's the one that's unacceptable to me. That's the one where I'd be up his ass about that. I'd be saying like, hey, dude, this what are we is doing? unprofessional as hell. Like, dress how you want, curse if you want, but you're not going to get by with having quality issues. And it's why on this show, on this show, we take internet quality so seriously because you have to have a good feed. Glad that Pat's back, right? Like, it's a bad look to have Pat on the left, John in the middle, and AJ on the right trying to do an interview, and we get a black screen that pops up constantly. It's not a good look. And and I don't know, I don't know how you solve it. But I I just I, I guess my question is what's best case scenario for ESPN with Pat? I, I mean, does it get better? I don't know. I, I don't know how you move forward. I think this is and I continue to believe this. This is how Pat McAfee lives. Every stop, whether it was Barstool, his relationship with FanDuel, now at ESPN, everywhere he's been, it ends abruptly and it does not end well. And I think it's because Pat is, a lot of talent is very difficult. Um, A lot of, this is a tough business, man. I I have been very fortunate in 30 something years to have never been fired. Um, I got, a format change is the only time I ever lost my job. Um, but it is, that's very rare. It's very easy to lose your job in this business. And when you're making the kind of money Pat's making by some accounts, $50 million a year. And I, it, it, you just have to really be, man, I hope he appreciates that bread, dude. Mm -hmm. I hope he appreciates that bread. Uh, Tanner says, Hey Jake, what hurts more the buckshot or the rubber ball? Probably the buckshot, dude. And I appreciate that question. Thank you. You do? Yeah, because that tells me he actually pays attention and has actually been listening intently for a long time. Well, the rubber ball was three years ago, I think, maybe, or something. Uh, 1984 says analog. Gumby Fresh Out says the big Bristol. Sean Rollins, he's always on edge. He is always on edge. Mm -hmm. Pat's one of those guys who can't sit still. He he can't sit sit still. Tanner, uh, that's Pat's secret Sean. He's always on edge. That's his secret. I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, Dakota Tubbs, Pat McAfee. Yeah, dude. That's that's where he's headed, bro. McAfee. I mean, it very well could be. Gumby fresh out. I've never, I, I'd never fire Uncle Monty. Don't fire Monty. Well, I'd have to fire myself now. Uh, Ron Nolan, and he's interviewing John Rahm, Spaniard, not American. I don't know what that has to do I, with it, though. I don't. Did he call him American? Uh, the eye patch. Okay, let it play out. Give give you guys something to talk about, right? Could be. Uh, Teddy Wayman, a member for 11 months. Wow. Good morning, Kyle King of Draper. Hello, Theodore. Sup, guys? I love how Pat keeps poking the bear. It's just who he is, and I love his show for it. And I think it's a big part of his show. That being said, having network errors isn't acceptable, but I watch on YouTube, and it works great. It is It is frustrating as hell. Whenever, and I don't know what it is about when Pat is alone, like he, Pat, all of Pat's other guys are in his studio in Indianapolis. Including AJ. 
Pat is at Army Navy. And every time they're in that setup, it's a disaster. Every single time that he's on remote by himself, it's it's a wreck. And I I just I don't get that. I you've got to be able to figure that out because I'm not here to watch anybody else interview John Rom. I want Pat to talk to John Rom. You know, because it's a Pat McAfee show. And people at ESPN are gonna tell you. I don't know, did he call John Rahm an American? Because he's not American. That would be a that would be very Pat McAfee. Yes, it would. Pat makes those mistakes a lot. Regularly. If it's not football and usually college football, man, and he it's so frustrating. His show is pissing me off today. He just keeps dropping. It is so frustrating. Tanner Plummer, the Pat's secret comment was an Avengers reference. Sorry, my geek side came out. Okay. I don't get it. Whatever. I don't get it. But I'm a, I'm with Teddy. I'm a huge Pat McAfee show fan. I think he's the face of sports talk in our country. Well, and he's given he's given such a nice change to just the traditional, hey, we're gonna do 12 minute segments and then we're gonna have five minutes of commercials and that like and I like that he doesn't wear a suit and tie at ESPN. <laughs> I really do. And there goes the camera again. Man, that is frustrating. That is so so is that Kirk Curb Street? Yes. But so, you wouldn't know that because Kirk Herbstreet looks like a CIA agent in his hat and his jacket. And, you know, you wouldn't know that. And I think it's cool Kirk Herbstreet's asking John Rom questions. I think that's great. It just would be nice I if... Want, I want more professionalism. I'm not saying to change the format you do. I'm not asking I'm not you either. to do 15-minute blocks. That's not what I'm asking you to do, Pat. What I'm asking you to do is bring a level of professionalism. So understand that, okay, cool. You're wearing a tank top, but you're not wearing a tank top because it just suits you or that it's just more comfortable than a suit. No, you're wearing a tank top because you know it draws attention to your show. So wear it, but rock the thing, right? Like make it professional, more just a more clean, polished product, man. And what's frustrating is the like we're watching it on mute. And if you didn't know anything about this show, you'd say, oh, okay, one of the best golfers in the world. Talking to two dudes about going to live. Okay, great. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. But then it's like, hey, he's dropping constantly and he pops back up. And then I get to see the rainbow, the you know, the rainbow image of a network error. And then he pops like and then there's a, a guy in a hat and a jacket that we don't know who he is asking the best golfer in the world a question. That's the struggle. Yeah, I'm probably being too minute. Uh not minute is Triday Trading, TridayTrading.com. The best side hustle that I have ever had. And I think that's a big deal nowadays if you're somebody like Teddy Wayman, the tile king of Utah. You, you're you a juggernaut in your chosen field. You're one of the best in the business, but that doesn't mean you don't want to make more money. So if you're one of those people who love your job, you don't want to quit your job, but you're Amazon, you know, crate sailing, let's say, or you're a garage sale guy or a yard sale guy or a baseball card guy, whatever your chosen side hustle is, TridayTrading.com is going to beat that because I don't know a side hustle where you can work two hours and make three to $500 a day because that's what people who trade part-time with Triday Trading make, three to $500 a day. And if you want to do it full-time, hey, if if you're the guy that's got credit card debt and you're bitching about it and student loan debt and it's weighing on you and maybe you're behind on your car payment, maybe you're, you're teetering on not being able to make your mortgage payment, TridayTrading.com. Hook it up, get it done. Trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Sign up for their $10 30-day trial membership at Triday Trading. You make a $10 charitable donation. They put you in their program for 30 days, at which time you have a decision to make. 
and no obligation to go either way. You want to stay in, they're going to hook you up. You want to get out? Absolutely. Walk away. No cost. You're done. Most people are not going to walk away because it is a rush, dude. I can tell you after the show on a daily basis, I go home and I trade the Australian dollar versus the Japanese yen and I love it. It's a rush. I'm the guy that sits there and watch the, watches the trade bounce up and down and it makes me crazy. But man, there is no better feeling than when you're watching that thing and you're making 5, 10, 17, 25, 55, 65, $100 on a trade. And it's just the a general adrenaline rush you get is amazing. It builds your self-confidence, it improves your relationship with yourself and you make more money at tridaytrading.com. Make sure you tell me you heard about it on the Monty show. Um Noel says Charles Barkley would just be like out of a damn suit when you come here. Yeah, sure. That's cool. I don't care that Pat wears a tank top. I'll be honest with you. It doesn't bother me that much. It's all this other stuff that bothers me. It, it just, it doesn't. I, I, I hate that you have a, a show that's you're paying tens of millions of dollars a year and they can't figure out an internet connection. And my God, he looks cold, dude. He does look cold. Yeah, I mean, it's enough that you notice it, man. Yeah, his hands are in his pocket. He's moving around a lot, right? Like it's it's chilly where he is, you know. Uh, all right. Can we talk about, where do you want to go? I want to go to this McDonald's thing. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about this McDonald's thing? Um are you a McDonald's customer in the comments section? I, I will be candid with you and tell you I am not a McDonald's customer. I would never because it's garbage. I don't eat much fast food. I don't eat fast food burgers. You can a bag of five guys French fries in front of me and I'll melt um and just devour the whole thing, including the bag. I'm a French fry guy. I am not a huge burger guy anymore. I was never a big McDonald's guy. Mm -hmm. But this news that McDonald's is revolutionizing the burger business. And they say that they're revolutionizing the burger business um, by enlarging their burgers, cooking six at a time instead of eight at a time. So as a former McDonald's employee, I can tell you, and I think I was probably 15 or 16 working at McDonald's in good old Lincolnshire, Illinois. Uh-huh. You throw eight patties on a burger, on the flat top rather, you throw eight patties on the flat top and you hit a green button. It drops down a press. I don't, several minutes later, the press pops up. You take those burgers and you put them in a plastic tray that goes into a warmer. They're saying that they're going to go from eight patties at a time to six patties so that the consistency of the cooking process is better, which I don't disagree with. Six is, the it. The, the grill's going to stay at a more regulated temperature because their patties are frozen. Right. So it's going to stay at a more regular temperature and it's going to cook more thoroughly. Okay, I'm down with that. They say they're going to expand the amount of beef in every patty. They say on the Big Mac that you're going to get now half an ounce of Big Mac sauce, which they say is going to make it so that the patty and the burger is never dry. And they are changing the bun on the Big Mac in all of their burgers. Because now that they have more sauce and more beef, what they want to do is have a bun that won't get soggy, but will also keep the burger warm longer. And there goes Pat again. Uh, are you a fan of this? Will this make you go back to McDonald's? Uh, 
it won't make me go back to McDonald's. No, I mean, I, I I'll have to see visuals of it, uh, you know, on X and like, you know, just, I, I just wait for the hype to build around it a little bit and see what people think. Um, but you know, I appreciate they're making adjustments. I appreciate that they, you know, are trying to perfect the burger a little more. I, I, I think what, I'm guessing, again, I don't know this to be factual, but it's not surprising that McDonald's is is trying to make a value play in a way when you know that the they're paying close attention to the average age of their customer. So McDonald's has always been a brand that that appeals to a lower income person. Um, yes. And that's changed. That's changed drastically the last couple of years. Now they've seen that that average customer's income has ticked up to, you know, 60, 70, 75,000 as opposed to, you know, 35, 40, 45. And what McDonald's is saying is that they don't want to lose that core demo and audience, um, you know, because they know that they attract that person and they want to make sure they don't lose that business. So what are they doing? They're saying, hey, we're going to make our product better. And so when right now, when we're putting eight on the flat top and the burger's not as good and it's costing you $25, well, let's change that. Let's make a play and say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to make the bun bigger. The, you're going to get more beef. The cheese is going to melt a little better. Like all these things are going to be a little bit better that give you a better product. So that person that's making 35 or 40 a year feels better about what they're buying. That's what this is, in my opinion. This is not, hey, I'm trying to go out and contend with five guys. Or, but but, but like, wait, wait, wait. The other part of this that's so fascinating, they're going to put fewer sesame seeds on their, their bun tops. Right, right. Do you really care how many sesame seeds are on your bun top? Apparently enough people do. I guess. I don't particularly care. I can't even tell you the last time I had a sesame seed bun on a burger. I I, I may have had it. Or When's not? the last I time you know. had a burger? Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you. Probably. You had to have had one in Hawaii. Or driving no, Vegas, back from Las Vegas. Vegas, Vegas yeah, Vegas. You did not ago. stop at Jack in the Box. Yeah, in Vegas oh, or okay. in St. George, in St. George. Yeah. On the way to Vegas. I don't know. Does do they? I haven't had a burger like a burger. burger. I don't know if if Jack's stuff is sesame seed bun or not. I can't think of the last time I had. I haven't been to a fast food drive through. I can't think of the last time I, I went straight to a fast food drive through. Mm -hmm. Like I can't. I mean, the fast food I eat now is Chipotle, Mod Pizza. Sesame, uh, Jack in the Box does not use sesame seed buns anymore. It's a okay. split top. Uh, oh, it is bun. a split top bun. Yeah, that's split right. Top bun. Yeah, this isn't going to get me to go back to McDonald's because I'm not a McDonald's fan. No. And I, I think it's terrible food. It is. I do. It is. John Ham for $2. Pat knows ESPN needs him more than Pat needs ESPN. I completely disagree. I think Pat needs ESPN. Because you don't go to ESPN in flame and then survive after that. I think it'd be very difficult for Pat because Pat can't go, but he was already at DraftKings and he was already at FanDuel. Where's he going to go? I mean, look at Dan Lebertard. Is Dan Lebertard on anybody's radar now? No. He's not. I think it'd be very difficult, which is why I think Colin Cowherd didn't go back uh, to ESPN. Because I think it's very difficult to leave ESPN and go back and succeed. And if Pat leaves ESPN, I think he's going to have a very difficult time succeeding. Mm -hmm. 
because his brand is not for everybody. And I would, I would guess that he would just have to go back to YouTube, which, Hey, when you have a million listeners, a show, that's great. This is the Joe Rogan conversation. Joe Rogan's coming up for renewal at, at Spotify. And there's a lot of people who don't think Spotify will renew him mm -hmm. because they can't afford it. And Joe Rogan is, is I think very serious about going out on his own on ESPN or excuse me on YouTube because he, he can, he can draw significant sponsors. Mm -hmm. And I think he's very serious about it. So Lee Jensen at McDonald's right now at work. Are you really Lee? It, are you excited about the changes? Hmm. We'll see. Uh, nah, Wendy's is awful. Noel says, Garbage, okay, dude. okay. Lee Jensen, just to be clear, I don't work there <laughs> at McDonald's right now at work. You, you said you work there, dude. Yeah. I'm confused. Big blue horses. McDonald's is disgusting food. It is. I, but I will say the McGriddle sausage McGriddle is undefeated for garbage. breakfast. Their breakfast yeah, food the breakfast is. breakfast is goaded, dude. Anything it's other really than good. that is trash. Gumby fresh out. The king is Burger King. Don't have to wait forever. Used to get through the drive through fast at Wendy's too, but not these days. They're no, not staffing at all. Dude. At all. And the last, I remember the last time we went through a burger drive through It was Burger King like six months ago. Six, eight months, months ago now. I think right before we moved studios. And remember the guy was like an asshole. He and was. essentially threw our bag of food at us. Oh, but then there was that incident in Park City. That one afternoon we went up to play Canyons where we were sitting in the drive-thru and they didn't answer and we backed out and left. Yes, that's right. We were trying, we were way late for a tea time. We were playing in a tournament and we were supposed to be there at like 1.30 and it was 1.20, 1.15. Pulled into that drive-thru, nobody ever answered. And then the guy came on the speaker and was like, it's going to be a while. We're really busy and short-staffed. Just like that. We're like, all right, we're out. Never going back. Never going back. Nobody Never in doing the drive-thru. One person in the parking lot. Never doing it again. Never doing it. Uh, Ron Nolan says, soggy bottom bun is delicious. Uh, Christopher Parker, shout out cookout is the king of the Southeast. Okay. What is cookout? Do tell. Uh, Elaine Tran says, morning, friends. Morning, Monty and Jake. Morning, Elaine. Uh, good to see you. Tanner Plummer, man, I could use some jack-in-the-box. It's Hell yeah. so good. Oh, Marcus, checkers is great. But it's been probably 20 years since I had checkers. Uh, Ron Nolan, if you buy your food through a drive-thru, you deserve what you get. Totally agree. Totally agree. Is Chipotle fast food? Yes. Better fast food. But it's still fast food. I mean, it's fast casual. You know, no no drive-through technically. You can pick up your food at a drive-through window, but you can't order. You, it's not a traditional drive-through. What's just, not fast food? Is Mod Pizza fast food? Yeah, Mod Pizza fast food. Yeah, is I, I would say anything anything that's not hey we're dining we're we're Jersey mine fast food. Yep, yep. It's just fast casual. Okay. I would say you you leave the fast food realm when you're when you're going to a restaurant that's giving you like hey appetizer entree dessert that's not fast food that's dining I would agree Mike Smith non hamburger eating America haters <laughs> are you a burger eater I I love a burger but I just know it's terrible for you <laughs> it I know it's terrible for you. Uh, James, if I want quality fast food, it's Wendy's. If I'm in a hurry, I go to McDonald's. The chicken sandwich is 80% as good as Chick-fil-A, but twice as fast. I hate Chick-fil-A. I'm not a Chick-fil-A guy at all. Uh, I, 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 yeah. 
It's uh, very mid. I'm a, if I'm chicken, I'm doing super chicks. Mm-hmm. Or what's the other one? Slim chickens. Oh, no. Um the play the in front of the mall in Murray. Shake Shack. Shake Shack has a great chicken sandwich. Yeah. Uh Tanner, the only places I go is Jack in the Box and Mo Betters. Oh, Mo Betters is more so, betters. Is more betters fast food. Yes. It is. I agree. But it's damn good. It is. And that really Max Sal is undefeated. Eric Wasikowski hey, from Plymouth Canton, Michigan. Nice of you to join the show today, Slick. Let me know when the quarter pounder is a quarter pounder again. <laughs> Excellent point. Ding! Ex- See, that's how you come in. For all you people who join the show late, that is how you come in. You come in, you make it better instantly, you're you get a free pass for being late. But what well, you also get a, a free pass for being an asshole Red Wing. <laughs> I mean, no doubt. Plymouth Canton. Um, hey, by the way, asshole Red Wing fan, Bedard's better than Kane. Okay, Bedard's better than Patrick Kane, all right? Did you see Bedard's shootout goal? Gas. Stay hard! I love Patrick Kane. He is... Yeah, he's a, he's an icon, dude. He, he is just I amazing. am truly glad he's back in the league, though. I'm glad the surgery went well. He recovered. He's back. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Lee Jensen. I was filling up my mail truck at McDonald's. I'm confused. Thanks for being a mailman. I appreciate that. Big Blue Horses. The question for ESPN now is Pat McAfee factors into the inevitable direct-to-consumer model. ESPN will be moving to it in 18 months. I agree 100%. 100%. Teddy Wayman, the tile king of Draper Hose. Uh, I am nothing. I'm waiting to see what he says. I am not a big fast food guy, but when I want breakfast sando, I go to Wendy's. Okay. Can't. I can't. No. Have we ever had a breakfast sandwich there? Teddy, I've never disagreed with you more, sir. Wendy's breakfast. You know why I've never had it? Because it's not good. That's why. (laughs) Breakfast, breakfast, fast food. You know the good ones and you know the bad ones. The only thing that Chick-fil-A has on that menu that's gas is their their egg and cheese biscuit. I maintain it is the best breakfast biscuit in the business, and that includes McDonald's. McDonald's, the the sausage, egg, and cheese, cheese McGriddle, best in the business. Oh, so good. It's best in the business. The dude. McGriddle is so yeah, good. It's undefeated. Sausage McGriddle is it's sex. incredible. It's sex, dude. I'm telling you. It, and, and like at Chick-fil-A, their hash brown game is terrible. How I come I pennies. don't get any love like I'm a McGriddle for the Teddy Wayman hose of Draper? The cack. That was amazing. It was. I probably let you down there. It's my sure. bad. Lee Jensen, sorry for the confusion. I just wanted to tell everyone I'm back to work from being sick, even though I'm still sick. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, dude. I didn't even know you were sick, man. Didn't know. Uh, Gumby Fresh Out, only America haters hate Burger King burgers, dude. Yeah, but the, the Burger King burgers are small, and the, their service sucks. But the triple stacker is legit. It is. But the service sucks so bad. And it's expensive now, and yeah. Uh, oh, they only have Hardee's in, in Iowa. They used to have them in Illinois when I was a kid. Uh, Gumby Hardy's greater than Carl's Jr. back in the day. I would agree with that. RJC says, have a great weekend. Uh, Roy Rogers isn't what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. Uh, James Knight, we just got a five guys down here. Is it any oh good? My oh, my God, God, dude. Double cheeseburger, dude. Now, James, I know that um, you are not somebody who frequents the opposite sex often. Um, LAUGHTER <laughs> In replacement for the um, fornication, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yes, it's good. It, again, Five Guys Burger. Oh, sex. The cack. It's good. <laughs> uh, Noel, is Panda Express food? No. Okay. Orange chicken is so good. 
I'm so, I, I just gained a pound. I just gained a pound. Right. It is. Yeah. Uh, our wilder wild crav. Okay. Comrade. Uh, I remember when an egg McMuffin was larger than a 50 cent piece. Yeah. And gas costs, you know, 50 cents a gallon. <laughs> but that's the other problem. And, and Mrs. Monty talks about this all the time. It's getting smaller and it costs more money. Correct. Groceries, gas, burgers, all of food, it. All everything. of it. It's all greed, dude. Smaller portions, more money. Sean Rollins Swenson's is phenomenal, though. Never had it. Uh, Gumby Fresh Out. My local Arby's gives out medium cups in place of large jagoffs. I haven't been to an Arby's in years. We have the meat, man. Uh, you know. I haven't been there in years. Uh, Ron Nolan. Best fast food Mexican food cart on the corner. Good fast food. You know. Wasakowski says eight goals in two minutes. Listen, I, 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 I can only imagine as somebody that lives in the Great Detroit that it must be very difficult to find happiness, right? And and I mean, hell, you're a fan of the Lions who are never going to succeed ever, and I understand that. But the fact that you know you lost to San Jose, um. <laughs> You know, I, I, listen. Be better, dude. It, it's okay. You don't have to cry about it. And the fact that Patrick Kane was a minus one with three shots on goals and uh, zero goals and zero assists. Well, I could have told you that. You know, he's so deep in the hose in Buffalo. You know. It's okay, and because he and DeBrinket were supposed to be this great one-two punch for Little Caesars Pizza, it's never going to happen. That's bullshit. You know that DeBrinket's way undersized. You know, it's okay. I'm a good listener. Yeah. Okay, Teddy Wayman, got to go uh, to Beto's for breakfast burrito. Oh, okay. Did we ever get Speaking a definitive answer on if it's Betos or Betos? It's I like, think it's Betos. I, I think I think, I think everybody was saying it was Betos, but I, I don't remember. Uh, Elaine Tran says, "Teddy, you're killing me." <laughs> Gumby, the Whopper is small, bruh. It is. Uh, Elaine, I like Jack of the Box too. Who doesn't? Uh, Christopher Parker, five guys be like a million dollars for a bun. Yeah, hey, can I get a little more French fries? Yeah, for seventy nine thousand dollars. Although the best part about five guys is they give you. A massive, massive amount of French fries. Uh, Gumby Fresh Out says stupid things all the time, such as in like Wendy's Burger greater than Five Guys Burger. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Listen, it, it, if you're an, a morning drinker, Gumby, that's okay. I don't judge you for that. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Uh, James Knight says, wow, that sounds like a solid endorsement. It is. What a burger. Still the best fast food no. burger breakfast is hit and miss. No. I, you don't even know. No. You don't even remember what Whataburger tastes like, no. do you? <laughs> on premise alone, I'm not going to Whataburger. Well, on premise alone, a, a virgin such as and like yourself shouldn't be able to talk about burgers. I knew today would be shitty. RJC man started with powder cell, more bigger holes. I sorry, did you say more bigger holes? More uh started started with powder, sell more bigger holes. You know. Whataburger at 3 30 a.m. is king. Whataburger is really good. Our Burger King is called Hungry Jacks. Either way, it's mid. It sucks. I've actually been, and it's not good. It's not good. Uh, what a burger breakfast on a bun is king. Arizona sun salad. Good to see you. Ain't no better than a made right. What's a made right? The, your made done right? That's a Teddy Wayman question. 
because it's your main cleaning. Never mind. Uh, Joseph talk. Carruthers just woke up. Did I miss everything? Uh, yeah. No, you, you, yeah, dude, everything. Don't worry about it. Uh, James Knight, it's Burger King, but it's branded as Hungry Jacks down here. Yes, we've been, and it sucks. <laughs> uh, what a burger breakfast on a bun is king of breakfast sandwiches. I say it again. Teddy Wayman, the farmhouse breakfast bagel from Einstein's. Ah, oh, dude, dude. You wanna, I'm it, so bricked up right now. Probably going to have to change your pants. Jake yeah. is a huge breakfast bagel Massive guy. Massive bagel guy. Although in Hawaii, you guys brought like 50 bagels and ate two of them. What are you talking about, bro? Jerk. We uh, ate all the bagels. I know, because you're fat. Uh, double quarter pounder has more seasoning than a five guys burger. Okay. Second of all. Nobody has better seasoning than Jack in the Box. They're pepper burger patties. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. RJ Seaman says I'm driving. Nice, okay. dude. Um, James Knight. And there it is. The throwback virgin mock. I love it. Mock <laughs> turtle. Uh, Arizona, whoa, comment dump. Arizona says made right from Iowa franchise history. Okay. Bro, Bro what are you talking about, man? Marcus, <laughs> Marcus says about? made right is good. Never had it. Uh, R Dub says Jack Tacos. Oh yes, yes. Dude. I'm gonna do everything I can do in St. George not to eat at Jack in the Box. Wow. We're going to play okay. golf. We're going to play golf uh, tomorrow uh, at Copper Mountain or Copper Rock, excuse me. Right. And dude, I love Jack in the. I haven't had Jack in the Box in so long. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping not to. Uh, let's see. Elaine Tran, Gumby, I'd rather eat five guys than McDonald's every day. Every day. Uh, Christopher Parker, Red Robin burger seasoning is the best. Man, I haven't eaten at a Red Robin. Me either. Uh, John Ham for $2. Is Waffle House fast food? Can figure that one out. Oh, man. Yeah, it's fast casual. When you're hammered at 3 in the morning in St. Louis, go to Waffle House. So good. Yes. So good. I want it. So good. I love it. Uh, just look, just ate at a local Mexican joint, Cozumel's. Food is okay, but the monster margaritas are killer. No skimping on the tequila. Ah. My man. Royal Coog, mushroom burger from Arctic Circle. Arctic Circle is underrated. Yeah, it's under the radar right there, dude. Uh, Delaric, what a burger breakfast taquito. Oh, my God. Used to be best three in the morning meal. Then they changed it. Now it's almost like Taco Bell. Oh, that sucks. Christopher Parker. I'm back east. Is Jack in the Box actually that good? Oh, dude. Oh, it's smoke. phenomenal, bro. Smoke. It's phenomenal. Smoke, smoke, smoke. Pew, pew. Smoke. Yeah. I don't know why the Red Raiders are involved. Smoke like the Advocates, theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. At the Advocates, they're trying to raise money for the homeless, you guys. It is a tough time of year to be homeless. The Advocates are partnered with our, our good friends, the legendary Road Home, the best homeless advocacy group in the country, in my opinion. They're trying to raise money for blankets, socks, jackets, hats, gloves, all of those things that when you are exposed to the conditions and you don't have shelter, you need. Hit them on Venmo, Advocates Donations, both plural, Advocates Donations on Venmo. A dollar, five dollars, a million dollars. That's what we're talking about. Hook it up right now, theadvocates.com. Until Monday. Say Beto's, Jake. Say Beto's, Jake.